But before I introduce Kelly Wand, I'd like you to know that I'm here with Christian Mulslapley. Did you call me Mulslapley this time? I pronounced. I thought I pronounced it as it was written. Did I not get it right? That's close enough, right? Uh, I prefer Dollface. <laughs> I don't know what that's from, but we're gonna fu- wait. Did you watch Annabelle. a straight? Did he watch a Strangers movie? Ew. And with a tagline for people playing themselves, Kelly Wand. Ari watched uh, Eyes Wide Shut. That's my tackle. <laughs> <laughs> remember, remember Kelly Wan when we made Dingus watch Beyond the Black Rainbow? Oh, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. That was chill. Well, I didn't get to watch him watch it, so I feel right. denied, deprived of the one part that but Kelly Wan, we made it happen. Even if you weren't there, it happened. It can't be reversed. It's a thing It can't now. be undone. It can't yeah. be unseen by him. Now, uh, it's always in his brain. Before we do the three by three, I have a very important question for you, gentlemen. Who wants to go first? That's not the question. Who wants the question first? Is the uh, from behind or in front? Kelly Wand. Okay, just for wow. that, you're going first. Kelly Wand, what's a movie that you saw this week? Uh, I was I wanted to watch a motion picture called The Package, and I, I did watch it. And I thought it was going to be the Gene Hackman one. But it turned out it was a Netflix movie about some kids, and one of them cuts their dick off on a camping trip, and then it's like a romp, and they have to get to the hospital with the dick that they gave the wrong cooler to the paramedics to, so that D- they can sew his dick on. And then a bunch of hijinks happen. Like, Dingus, are you believing dick. anything that Kelly Wand has said? Really? No, no, I think he's, I think he's <laughs> pitching. I think this is his elevator pitch. What? This is probably how it was pitched. It's successfully. Uh, it really does have the woman from uh, Blockers. Ah, I saw it. Shut up. It does ah. have the woman from Blockers that we like, Dingus. Uh, I'm trying to gonna, I'm gonna read it here. I'm really good at like looking at a complicated name and reading it out loud. So here we go. It has Geraldine Viswanathan in it. Ah, very nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She Christian specializes in movies. Yeah. I see. I so like Kelly Wand. Tell, tell us about uh, the package. Did you like it? You you came for something. You got something else. How'd that work out for you? Well, I like movies about young people because I like seeing what they're you know what they think of the world. How's how's uh, how finding their way in life? So have you seen Eighth Grade yet? No. All right, carry on, Kelly Wand. No, but it's I am I'm excited about seeing Eighth Grade, and it's another like oh here's your R rating in action kind of movie yeah we sure. don't want children just we don't want eighth graders to see eighth grade Kelly. see eighth grade right, right. exactly that makes sense um, all right so the package so there's an package errant, it's a movie about an errant penis yeah i've noticed something okay so the thing that sucks about it is the characters aren't that good um and i've noticed that in teen movies there's always like the boring handsome kid who's the lead and he's really mm-hmm. boring mm-hmm. and then he always has like a really wacky sidekick who looks weird and goofy, and mm-hmm. they hang out together, and then there's like a fat third guy. And it's always like, that. Is that what high school kids do now? They had added those clicks? Because back when, I mean, it was always like the funny kids, the stoners, like it was kind of more, like in Breakfast Club, you had to have detention to get together, different kinds of people. But in this, they'll go to camp trip. And then the, the guy's going to like, is the girl he wants to have sex with, and she has a boyfriend, but they just broke up. And, uh, 
the other guy's ex-girlfriend's there. She's like, yeah, we're coming too. And so then they all go on the camping trip. And like, I forgot to tell them. Oh, yeah, your ex-girlfriends are coming. And then uh, – I'm just, I'm just listening to this, all. Kelly Wan. The whole time I'm listening to this, I'm thinking, uh, he could have watched eighth grade. Hey, eighth grade's not on German <laughs> Netflix, though, all in right, my bed. Right. I could just sit on my ass and here's German Netflix. Right. Like, this is, this is what happens. watch the dumbest movies. Right. This is what yeah. happens when you get Netflix is you end up sitting through things like The Package. Uh, yeah, and I, it took me multiple viewings to get through the right. package, so I guess I didn't like it. And and some of the situations are kind of good, but they're really contrived, even considering. Was it a big package or a small package? It has. They used the prop a lot. Like there's tons of it, and it's very thick. And there's like it's part where it gets snake snake bitten, so a guy has to suck it. And then there's another part where oh, a soldier okay. has to clean it in a shop. And he finds out they have fake IDs, and he gets bad at them. He goes, I cleaned a civilian dick, and he chases them out and shoots arrows at their car and, like, knocks out the windshield. And then another girl, they said, the, they, uh, for some reason, they go to the hospital, they get the dick to the wrong guy who got his, whose girlfriend cut his dick off. So they sew the wrong dick onto it, and then she shows up at the hospital and cuts it off again, so they get the dick back. This is the worst like, conversation ever. That's what they said in the movie. Kelly, one from watching uh, it, did you get the sense that uh, Geraldine Viswanathan is someone like? Did you get the sense that like, hey, she's good? I want to see her in other things, or did she just kind of yeah. blend in with the young? No, she's good, and she was playing her part correctly, and she was the only character I actually liked and felt bad for because she gets screwed. Because the guy that the guy we're supposed to like, he gets all their phones to call in the paramedics for the dick cutter offer and then he gets a text from the guy who just broke up with her chad and it's all hey baby you want to get back together and then he texts as her going you're a dirty taint fuck you and then later he has to confess to her hey i told your ex-boyfriend that i got a text from him on the cliff before i lost all the phones because you startled me that's another thing that happens Diggis, i love kelly wan's assessment of her performance as uh she did her role correctly <laughs> well, it's like people who really suck at acting is because they they did it wrong. If they'd done it correctly, they would have been better. She <laughs> acts like it's just... all really happening, and no one else in the movie acts like it's really happening. Everyone else goes, "Yes, it's obviously a prop dick," but she's just like, "Ugh." What? Did you ever see the movie Bananas, Kelly? The Woody Allen one? Yeah. Yeah, I like I it. It's similar to the package. I don't think there's any other. Bananas, They're both jungle movies. Well, there's there's a, a thing in there about uh, what do you do if you get uh, bit by a snake? You suck out the poison, and there are, and Woody Allen's like, I I can't suck anyone's leg who I'm not formally engaged to, and then the joke pays off when a woman runs by and she's holding her her breast and she says, I got bit by a snake, uh, and all the men chase after her. That's good. That's a good joke. So that, you're that talking about that? You're talking about that with the with the uh, the member. The package. Wait, Get both her boobs or one boob was just it? one boob. But you're talking uh-huh. about didn't didn't that happen with the guy's penis that they had to suck out the poison? Didn't you say that? Yeah, but also I was thinking maybe Woody Allen trained a snake to do that, like to zero it on. Okay, no, that no, that's not no. I'm trying to think what else happens to the dick because they it gets they have to he cuts it off when he's peeing over a cliff, so it's the. In the, in the middle of the night, so almost the uh, the hardest part to believe is that they'd find the dick. How did they? How does he? Oh, forget it. And then the Gretchen Grassoff girl throws up on it. What's the part? He's like playing with a knife while he pees. He's the like dumb. You do. They're all dumb. Yeah, and he's there. He's like a like a fat in, uh, Navajo or something, like Native American kind of character. He should have like a razor phone and it drop it, 
and it should cut his dick off. There's a such thing as a razor phone? Yeah. I was mocked for thinking the fold in phones are cool. I think by you guys. <laughs> but anyway, uh, at least one of us yeah. owns one though. Those aren't those are cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, so Kelly Wan. Oh, what do you think me, of the package? Well, what what this wants uh, Kelly Wan, here's right. what this makes me wonder. Uh, I really want to know what Dingus saw this week. <laughs> That's what this right, really makes thought, me wonder. <laughs> I get that. I thought it was strangely timed the way you, put, the way you said it. But other than that, yeah. That's a good review. I agree with your review, and it should go on the box. Okay, what did Dingus good. see this week on right. the package video? All right. Here's a quote from it. You could just call me directly, you know, like a normal person. The strangers. Uh, no, it is uh, you were never really here. Oh, I was going to guess uh, what a stranger calls. That she says that. The... Isn't, okay, isn't one of the, the, the mask wearers in The Stranger called Dollface? They're all dolls. No, they're no, dolls. It's just the one that wants a sack. Dollface is one of my three by three picks. You'll you'll find out what Dollface is. Don't don't you worry. It's my uh, favorite James Cagney uh, Judy Garland movie. But the 33. movie I saw is You Were Never Really Here, um, which is the Lynn Ramsey movie. Oh, that's with, why I want to see it. I was wondering. With, yeah, I know about this. So Joaquin Phoenix, right? With Joaquin Phoenix, yeah. yeah. I was wondering why I wanted to see it, and I've heard, I've had it recommended, but it, it's because it's Lynn. Ramsey. This is the one where he's the Joker. That's not out yet, Kelly Wand. Oh, I don't understand. Okay, you were never there. You're you were almost never, never really here. You're JK. You're, you weren't here at all. You're not here yet. What was it? So what? What makes you want to see a Lynn Ramsey movie? Um, the Ratcatcher movie she did and Morden Collar. Morven Collar. Morven Collar. Yeah. So we need to talk about Kevin doesn't turn you off to her. <laughs> I mean. The, People have missteps in their careers, Dingus. Come on, cut her a break. Even me, Dingus. I wrote Jumper. <laughs> Am I supposed to? The video game, Kelly. Let's make it clear. Life? You wrote the video game, not the movie. Yeah, not you even know? the movie. Yeah, well, yeah. the movie would be bad enough. <laughs> <laughs> to humiliate. That person went on to uh, write other things. So Kelly, or what's your name, Dingus? Dingus well, is. Uh, we you were never really here. A uh, we have to talk about Kevin Lynn Ramsey, or is it a Morven Caller Lynn Ramsey? Um, it's a, it, it's more of a Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, maybe it's just not for you and it's a movie for me and Kelly Wand. It, no, I like don't think it is. It's, it's, it's not because it's not graphic enough. Uh, it, it shies away from, even though it's an R rated movie for disturbing, strong violence, I think, uh, um, actually I can just. Uh, tell you exactly why it's an R-rated movie for strong violence, disturbing and grisly Im- images, language and brief nudity. Um, but it's not R enough uh, for you guys, mm. especially not for Kelly. Kelly would be Nothing totally gets. frustrated by this because it's not R enough. Caligula is a soft PG. It shies away Kelly's. too much and it does this on purpose. I think she's doing it stylistically and that's fine. Um, but I don't think it works. Uh, for me, it, it feels more like a collage than a movie, and it's yeah. one of those one of those movies that I just constantly started feeling like I was going to flip off the screen, and then I ended up flipping off the screen. It was, it was as in turning movie. it off, or as in flipping at the bird. <laughs> as in as in flipping at the bird. Whoa. As in, tell, as in typing the words. I'm gonna off. leave you on, and then gesture at you, and you won't know because you're a 
TV show. So it's it's just it's just it becomes increasingly a mess and a bloody mess at that. Wait, you just um, said it wasn't graphic. But it's not. I mean, not bloody enough well, for but us. That's why. I mean, it's just it's just it's a really frustrating movie. Um, I, it didn't work for me at all. All right, give us a quick uh, over. Like, what if if someone was like, "I'm going to watch." Uh, you were never really here, and you'd be like, "No, watch X instead." What's something that someone who wants that kind of movie, what would it compare to that they should see instead? Jeez, I don't. I, I can't even. I, right. I can't even tell you. It doesn't really. Uh, it, you think it's going to go in a certain direction, and um, the the good thing about it is that it doesn't become. Uh, it doesn't become taken, and you think it's going to become taken, and it doesn't. As in uh, uh, Liam Neeson taken, you mean? Yeah. Okay. So it does. It doesn't do that. Okay. Um, uh, the bad thing about it is that I think she thinks she's making The Shining at the end of the movie, and she's not. Um, so I I, you're you're making me want to see it, Dingus. It's like yeah. when I tell Kelly Wand about a bad movie, and he's like, "Well, no, you're just making me want to see it." <laughs> you had me a collage. Well, <laughs> with you, I went, "Oh, really?" A collage. I certainly hope you guys will see it, and you guys will uh, contradict me and tell me where I'm wrong or where you disagree and whatnot. But um, it just it just has so much love of details of things that I just don't care about in the movie. Mm. And uh, and that bothers me. Um, But those are the things that the director cares about and the writer cares about. So uh, is Lynn Ramsey the one who got fired from Jane Got a Gun or that whole kerfluffle was? Ooh, maybe you might be. Good thing they've solved that problem. (laughs) (laughs) Has that even come out yet? (laughs) It's like Solo solved uh, their problem. All right. Well, you were right now. I want to know, uh, Tom, can you answer a question? Yes, Dingus. What question would that be? What did you watch this week? I watched a lot of things, but the one I'm going to talk about is a movie that I stumbled across simply because I like one of the actors in it, and the description made me think it was going to be a horror movie about immigration, uh, which is a, a very trenchant subject these days. And I, like I Desierto. I, exactly, and I love seeing different mm. perspectives on it. And so I was like, okay, I really like this actor. Uh, it sounds like it's a horror movie about immigration. I'm going to watch it. And it wasn't at all what I expected. And I am just – it's a little uneven, and it's a, it's very much a first-time filmmaker who is obviously influenced by Quentin Tarantino, but I don't think is aping Tarantino. It's more like he learned from him, and he's got his own voice to add to what he learned from Tarantino. And I like that very much about what he's done. The movie is called Low Life, one word. Um and the reason I watched it is there's a guy named Mark Burnham who – Dingus, you won't know who this guy is because you didn't see a movie that Kelly Wand and I love, which I still think about a lot, called Wrong Cops. Um, <laughs> and Wrong Cops is Quentin Depew. Oh, he yeah, did the movie yeah, yeah. Rubber, and it's just this weird, absurdist, at times surreal movie about – asshole police officers in Los Angeles. And the main guy is an actor named Mark Burnham, who doesn't do a lot of stuff, but he's got a commanding presence and just this absolute brick of a face. Uh, And he was your favorite wrong cop. He was my, well, no, no, no. There's a young woman. Oh shoot. I can't remember her name. There's there's a young blonde woman who tag nabbit. He's, he was one of my two favorite. I liked a lot of the wrong cops, but he was one of my two favorite. And he's got a great scene in the movie with Marilyn Manson, of all people. Yeah, Whoa. yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, oh, at you're any thinking rate, of Let's Be Cops. 
Oh, I didn't see that one. I looked at I Jake Johansson. He's dreamy. Yeah. It looked like a lamer Ronco. I didn't need to see that because I saw the trailer and got to enjoy it just as much. Uh, <laughs> so in Low did. Life, so Low Life opens, and it opens with me thinking, yeah, this is going to be a horror movie. With um, Actually, you know what? Let me tell you about a couple of scenes from it because part of the delight of Low Life is – you're watching it and you're thinking these like collage these things have nothing to do with each other what the heck is going on and what the director does who i mentioned he's a he's a first time director his name is Ryan Prowse p r o w s what he does is he really skillfully and effectively does explain here's why you're seeing all these weird different things uh and the payoff is is really gratifying so let me just describe one scene uh there's a there's a there's a a, a black gentleman who has been an accountant for a, a criminal mastermind guy for a long time, and he's trying to get out of it and not do it anymore. He wants to be a responsible guy and have a family, and he's going to pick up his buddy from prison who took a fall for him a long time ago. So there's the classic scene of the guy sitting, waiting outside a prison, and off in the distance, you know, it's across the street a little ways. He's not right in front of the gate. The gate opens. The fellow walks out of it and walks towards him. You know, they hold their hands out to give each other a hug, and as they get closer, this black guy realizes that his friend now has a swastika tattooed across his face, and not just like a little one on his forehead. The swastika, the middle of it is the bridge of his nose, and the rest of it extend to his temples and his jaw on either side. Mm. And he's like, whoa, bro, what? What what do you do? Wow. And, and the guy's like, no, I just had to do this in prison. You know, I just had to do this to get along in prison. And he totally thinks that having a swastika tattooed on his face is going to be no big deal. And it's ridiculous. And there's some really funny moments with this guy who has a swastika tattooed on his face, but who really couldn't care less what it meant. Uh, and his best friend is a black guy, yeah. and he's kind of a wigger himself. Uh, and he just thinks, yeah, I just did it for prison. No one will care. Uh, and, and it's that's a good excuse. It's a good excuse, and uh, and there's payoff for it too. Like a really cool thing happens with like, of course you're doing that. He's got a swastika on his face. So it's these three disparate <laughs> threads. One of them is this guy who's getting his buddy out of prison, who is clueless and has a swastika on his face. The other one, and this stuff almost never works for me. I don't get luchadors. I just <laughs> don't know what to make with that. Like Mexican Mexican wrestlers wearing masks. I don't. It, that means nothing to me. I don't. Kind of like it. And I can't explain it. I can't either, and I, it's just weird. And that's why it bothers you. Yeah, you need to. Need, yeah, need to stand yeah. Up. But I will say one of the I'll threads in Low Life is about a luchador, and it's very much about his internal dialogue and how he feels about being a luchador, and how his wife feels about him being a luchador, and how he's conflicted about wearing this mask. Uh, so. Nacho libre. Yeah, except, you love Nacho Libre. Except without being uh, like, oh, isn't this wacky about the luchador? Like the the luchadors are it's, it's a weirdly <laughs> want, poignant character. Uh, and he the thing is this, this luchador has blackouts during which he commits acts of extreme violence that he doesn't remember. Oh. Uh, it's, a little, it's a weird week to have that happen. Jealous. But there, there's a great moment where he's at a quinceanera and the guy at the quinceanera is being an asshole, the dad, and. The movie cuts to him lying face down, looking up at the sky with all the party detritus littered all over the place, and the dad has been beaten, and the little 15-year-old girl is traumatized, saying, get out of here, you ruined my quinceanera. Uh, so he has blackouts, and he's super violent. That's one of the plot threads. The other is this ex-con who's got the tattoo of a swastika, and then the third one is a really beautiful uh, middle-aged couple who run a motel, 
and they've made a, the the, uh, the the man in the couple is his kidney is failing, and they've made a really sketchy deal with an organ harvester played by Mark Burnham, who kidnaps immigrants and murders him and steals their organs, uh, to get a kidney from him for her sick husband. And all three of these threads come together in a really gratifying way. As I was watching it, I was like, mm. what is this, some weird sketch comedy? Uh, and I just think the guy did a really good job of tying this stuff together and having a, a distinct sense of humor, uh, and, and very dark humor, by the way, uh, that goes along with all of this. It's more of a mm. Kelly Wand movie than a Dingus movie. It's like a Kelly Babel. Mm, no, Babel, it's not nearly mm. as earnest as Babel. Uh, it's no, not. But... It's not Inaritu, and I don't even think, by the way, he's a Hispanic filmmaker. It's set in Los Angeles, because uh, because Babel is also actually Babel is annoyingly earnest to yeah. me. But I this really yeah, this, this, this movie knows how r- ridiculous it's being by having a luchador's inner monologue play. Uh, like it knows what it's doing. I, I think Babel makes you go at the end. Wait, it was just an accident. Whatever. Let's just get her to the hospital. <laughs> like the other, the other three hours don't matter as much. Well, as this movie sounds like, like oh yeah, the more you learn, the more interesting. It is. Also, this movie is not three hours, so there you go. <laughs> oh, it's one of those. That should, that's what it should movies. say on the box. Not three hours, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So I'll there we go. Set a movie rating. We all saw three movies this week, at least. Some of us more. Uh, I was going to tell you guys about the, the really disappointing Jeremy Solnier movie that just came out, but I I wrote that up on the front page of Quarter to Three, if you want to. I'm, oh, I'm so bummed about that. I'm so, oh, I'm so bummed, too, because it looks – the I, I, as I told you, the the screenshot you put up looks so cool. It yeah. just looks – it's such a cool image. The cast, too. Like you hear about the cast, and you're like, yeah, Jeremy Solnier, Macon Blair wrote the script. I mean – it seems like all the pieces should be there, but ugh, I yep. did not care for it. So yes. you can go to quarter to three and read that review if uh, if you want to hear me bag on that. Well, shouldn't yeah. I watch the movie first? But then I got to watch something you say stinks. So um, I I, I mean I, I when I I try to write reviews for people who haven't seen movies. Like I I'm super. But I would read that. Yeah, I'm super sensitive about spoilers and dinguses too, so I wouldn't read stuff I write. But right. I do write with uh, sort of an <laughs> ear for what is a normal person who hasn't seen this movie. What can I tell them about the movie to get them to either want to see it or not see it without ruining the experience for them? Uh, yeah. So, so let's now have a three by three for uh, this month's topic. This is a the, so we saw that Mission Impossible Fallout movie uh, a while ago, and and Wolf Blitzer. Oh, what do you know? He shows up to play himself. How about that? So did Henry Cavill. (laughs) 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 And one of them was that dumb accent. One of them was pretty good at it. Yeah. Uh, So we're going to talk about on this three by three people playing themselves, and that's pretty much all that I've said about it. You can do with this what you will. Hopefully, no one's going to bring up documentaries because, as we all know, those are not movies. Uh, but we'll see where we go with this. Uh, who's doing next week's topic, by the way? I forgot. Me. Kelly Wan, why don't you start us off with your third favorite example of someone playing him or herself? My number three is Wolf Blitzer from Mission Impossible <laughs> Fallout. Wow. Ah, how about that? JK, JK. Oh, you got me, Kelly Wan. Oh, you totally you. got me, too. That was ah. Oh, I'm shaking my fist at you. I was going to pull you over, the three-by-three three police. I might trick you again later because that was so fun. <laughs> right, like maybe it's your number two or your number one pick. Ooh. Mm. Uh, All right, well, what is your actual number three pick for someone? See, you're saying that affects it, like that particle. Ah, it's like, yeah, like uh, like the Heisenberg Comedy. principle. 
All right, whatever, nerd. Listen, what's <laughs> more important right now? We're like Schrodinger's cat. My number three favorite actor playing himself in a motion picture is Bob Barker in the Oh the, yeah in oh. Happy Gilmore. That's exactly the kind of thing I was trying to think of, Kelly Wan. That's a great that's example. Funny. Yeah. All right, so He's why do you, why do you like that? Okay, go yeah, right. Well, because I don't I don't give a shit about Bob Barker. Price is right, and it just sounds like Bitch. let's make fun of Bob Barker. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't like Adam Sandler either. So I didn't I I kind of came to Happy Gilmore a little late, and I realized he's kind of like uh, Tom Cruise to me where. Um, when things are going his way in his movies, I don't like the movie. I don't like Billy Madison, and I don't like Deeds. I don't like his privileged life. Right, right. Or uh, you like him? Uh, when that's he's my boy. Twins. I like it. I like. I think he's super ingratiating when his life's terrible. Yeah, like in Punch Drunk Love, I like. Uh, or uh, Meyer Witt stories. He's really good. And in Happy Gilmore, it's sort of a cross between the two. But I found him really ingratiating in it because he's just annoyed for the whole movie. And he just starts punching people. Because I think Bob Barker, too, isn't someone you're used to seeing in movies also. Like or do comedy. It's a novelty. Right, exactly. Exactly. And Carl Weathers is in it doing You Don't Expect to Be Funny, and he's funny in it. And it's uh, like – I think it's the one Adam Sandler movie I like. I guess – see, Punch Drunk Love is like – well, I like Meyerowitz stories, too. But like it, of the old shitty Adam Sandler movies, I think Happy Gilmore is the good one. But like but it's I, a really – yeah, what? I want you to rank Bob Barker movies, though. What else has he been in? <laughs> but he fights him, and it's a long fight. It's really drawn out, and Bob Barker, like, kicks his ass and, like, strangles him. Do you think it's, Bob Barker it, did his own stunts in that fight? No, but he seemed into it, and his delivery is good. <laughs> All right. No, that's a, that's a good one, Kelly. That's exactly the sort of thing I was thinking of. Uh, it wasn't what I was expecting. Like you go, oh Bob. Like if you don't know that's right. going to happen in the movie, it's pretty right. exciting. When yeah, because if, if it's a it's a it's a guy who's really doing a good job playing against type. Uh, and yeah. Fun with it. yeah. Yeah. And Happy Gilmore punches him, and you go, oh, they just punch Bob Barker. That's sad, but I guess funny in this typical. That's what I expect to happen. And then Bob Barker gets back up. It's like the uh, they live fight with Roddy Piper, like that level. But with a game show host, sure, life. right? Yeah, that's Bob Barker. With a game and show host and a Saturday Night Live uh, uh, alum. alum yeah. And he think he even says something like, I hate Bob Barker, or my mom hates you, or something. Like, he, he's... Oh, that's he Bob Barker's Bob. demographic. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> and he, she'd still... It's kind of like when uh, the old lady in King of Comedy asked Jerry Lewis to sign something. He's all, no. Oh, and God, she's okay, all, going oh, back he gets cancer. Jerry Lewis, huh? All right. Well, no, right. uh, All right, that Grandpa. really happened to him. Like, you brought up Jerry Lewis and James Cagney tonight. How old are you, Kelly Wand? Uh, I'm so embarrassed. Fuck, <laughs> got me. All right. Uh, I did both of those actors. Dingus, Damn. what's something on par with that? Bob Barker in Happy uh, Gilmore. What's what your you number there. three pick? Oh, I, I didn't even. Yeah, did oh, there. right. I meant that. It was intentional. It's clearly intentional. <laughs> Tom's timing's not good enough. He would have. He would have made sure we that you heard it. Right. So in a way, you did it. <laughs> you right. pointed it out. Good work, Tom's joke. Take credit for it. Ah, yeah. So unfair. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's a quote from it. Let's talk a little bit about desserts. What you don't want to do is eat donuts. No donuts. Um, so here's what you would actually say in the accent. Uh, let's talk a little bit about desserts. What you don't want to do is eat donuts. <laughs> no donuts. I'm trying to think, where so. does Schwarzenegger play? I'm sure there must have been something. So there uh, is. Fuck, I don't know which movie it is. Oh, are you doing Pumping yeah. Iron? 
No, I'm oh, not. Okay. That doesn't count. I know it's a documentary. Pumping Iron is awesome. He he's, he's like I'm calming and calming all the time. Is it? Wait, can I guess or is that? It, no, you can't guess. How could you guess? Does Kelly Wan not know it? Like he, he can't guess because you think he won't get it, or he's not allowed to. No, he can guess if he wants. All right, yeah. what do you got, Kelly? I think it's I think it's Last Action Hero, but I still don't remember the line. That's not. Is he playing himself? himself? In that? No. Oh, you know. No, they go into the other dimension, and he is in there, <gasps> and he's married to Maria Shriver, and she's. How do you know that's not stuff. one of my picks? Oh, that's not bad. I just assumed it was Diggis's pick. I, I, I was confident <laughs> about my guess. No, it's it's in. This is the. I think the. the does he play himself? In? This is a difficult. Ball? This is a difficult one because it borders on basically a cameo, and I didn't want to do cameos, but but That's, I did. But there's but there are there's a ton of there's a ton of people playing themselves in this particular movie, and this is one of my favorite movies um, that I've watched many times, and it's a movie called Dave, and uh, in D- Dave. <laughs> No, I know. See, I haven't actually seen it. plays himself in yeah. in a movie about Gingis a guy who looks like it. the president. Yeah, yeah. He, he has what? a he, he it's, it's that's a good joke, those, Tom. Think about it. <laughs> it's one of those photo opportunities where where the president is meeting with a bunch of kids, and he's he's got the governor of California there in the room with him, and he's also you know the governor of California Twins. is also a health expert, and he's talking to the president of the oh. United States in front of these kids for this photo opportunity, and he's telling the kids. Um, you know, let's talk about desserts for a minute. What one thing you don't want to do is eat donuts. And this is this is as the country is getting more and more uh, endeared to um, the new version of the president, the the fake version of the president. And so the president has taken a bite of the donut. Arnold Schwarzenegger says, "What you want don't want to do is eat donuts." <laughs> he takes the donut away from him, and you know because Dave is isn't this stodgy politician. He's this guy who's an actor who is also a guy who runs a temp agency and he's kind of a down to earth dude, but Moon over Parador in a real way. Um, he like, as soon as Arnold Schwarzenegger takes the, uh, the donut away from him, he sort of like, he sort of drops the bit of donut that he just bit into his hand. Um, and the kids all laugh, and then they have this moment uh, where they do this, and I don't even know if it's politically correct to say this anymore. They they, they grab hands uh, to like shake hands, and uh, and uh, Dave, as the president says, let's do a little Indian wrestle, and they like go back and forth, and he goes whoa and falls down, and this is when Kevin Dunn's character, who's the speechwriter starts to really it starts to trip for him that this guy's real i really like this guy um but it also has it also has weird connotations if you watch the scene and it's a great scene um it's a great little scene uh with the way that our current president um does handshakes uh, you know how he does his like power handshake where he, he yanks somebody to him um, and there's that there's a little bit of that there. Of course, it's not commenting on that because this was uh, from 1993, uh, but it it does have a weird echoic effect now that we've seen our president do that to other world leaders. Um, but it's just a, it's just a it's just a really lovely sort of it, it 
almost a montage kind of a moment, but it's not. It's 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 more of a pastiche. It's like a bunch of these little moments where he's with a bunch of kids. He's playing with the dogs. He's talking to to, uh, to these little kids in front of uh, uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And Arnold Schwarzenegger is just totally game for it. And um, it, it has a slight feel of, uh, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger's political plans and his his hopes for his political future in real life, uh, but he's definitely playing himself. And I'm just I just really, I just think he's so charming in that little moment. And uh, but there's there's a ton of other ones that I mean you could talk about the whole McLaughlin group or, or any of the senators that are that are paraded through the movie. Um, Dave is Dave has a, a lot of people playing themselves in it, but my favorite is Arnold Schwarzenegger. All right. I'm a is he governor in the movie? I don't. I don't know. No, is that why he's I, there with the president? He's, that was 1993. No, I think he was. Yeah, the, that's what I just the, yeah. He was. He was the president's fitness advisor at some point. Uh, I mean, the, uh, the official. Th- this was an official thing. I can't remember which president. It might have been George H. W. Bush's, but I'm not sure. You make it sound kind of good, though. Like it's Arnold's eating donuts at a. Better than I expected to be. Well, Arnold's not eating them; he's taking them out of the president's mouth. Um, That's even better. He was, he was what I call president. I'm, he was the president's fitness advisor. I'm just not sure which president he was fitness advisor. For. Claudia Schiffer was Richie Rich's. Yeah. Boy, Arnold's all of the presidents. He's fitness like advisor, the butler. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Like Lee Pace is the butler. No, not Lee Pace. Yeah. Who's the guy that did that movie? <laughs> Lee Pace is the butler. Wait, no, I want to watch Tom's movie. <laughs> What's that movie about a butler where the director thought his name should be in front of it? I forgot. <laughs> Never mind. All butler. right. Let me tell you guys my third favorite example of people playing themselves. Now, if I can bring the room down a moment here. Yeah, Three years please. ago. On a train from Amsterdam to Paris, uh, a Moroccan national uh, pulled out a, 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 an automatic rifle and a pistol and a box cutter and started going to town on this train. And uh, a couple of guys wrestled with him. One of the guys got the gun away from him, but he, he was shot with a pistol in the neck. Uh, the, the, the Moroccan fella got his assault rifle back and burst into the next car and opened fire on the car. But his rifle jammed. When he went to open fire, and what an idiot. three young fellows, who uh, two of them were servicemen, uh, one of them was a buddy. They'd all grown up together. Uh, rushed the guy and wrestled him to the ground. And uh, one of the guys almost lost his thumb, getting the box cutter away from the fella. Uh, but it's it's clear that they the, these fellows did a great thing uh, and prevented there from being a lot more casualties on this train. And they were rightly. Uh, lauded for this in, in the press as, as, as taking action, and they, they were probably their military training helped a lot. Um, so this is a, this cool instance of what what should have been a, a massacre, a horrible thing, uh, being averted, and it didn't require any sort of Yahoo like, yeah, well they had guns too. It was just just people saw what was happening, they rushed the guy, the and the, fortunately his gun was jammed. Uh, but yeah, they, they acted. Um, so. Clint Eastwood decides, hey, I'm going to make a movie about this. And he does, and it's called The 1517 to Paris. And Clint Eastwood also, I don't actually know if it was Eastwood's idea, but someone has the idea, you know what? We should let these young fellows play themselves in the movie. So they do. Uh. And uh, this movie, by the way, is terrible. 
It is terrible. It is the worst kind of just nonsense jingoism silliness. Like early, so Judy Greer plays one of their mothers, and early on there's a scene because it it goes back to their childhood. It tells the story because uh, the thing is, if this was a movie just about the incident, it would be over in five minutes. So it, it's about these guys' <laughs> childhoods, and they don't have well. Uh, so one of them uh, was, was they play themselves as kids too. They they bring in child actors, and Judy Greer plays one of their mother, and she's been called into the principal's office because her son has been acting up in class and the the the, the principal the counselor actually the school counselor keep says keep sucking the box cutters out of the teacher's hand uh, the school counselor says you might consider uh, medicating uh, your, your son because it sounds like he has ADD and uh, certain medications can be very helpful in that situation. And Judy Greer – and this is because of the script, not Judy Greer. Judy Greer is incensed. Her character can't believe. She's like, you think I should medicate my kid? You think throwing pills is going to solve the problem? And the counselor is trying to be very calm and saying, no, man, this is just this is just uh, – Scientifically, there have been studies that have shown statistically this can help children. And Judy Greer storms out of the room saying, my God is bigger than your statistics and leaves. And that's her life. So this is the kind of tone the movie takes. And that's not necessarily the problem. That's such a stupid line. It really is. It really is. And I can't tell. I think the movie is wanting to applaud that line because there's nothing That's a about. That's Trump voter. Oh my God. Well, it's it's Clint Eastwood. You know, it's the same Clint Eastwood that talked to an empty chair at the Republican National Convention and gave us American Sniper. You know, he's fuck he's, your math. My God's bigger. Right. Got right. it. But so anyway, I think the bigger issue with this is getting these three fellows to play themselves because they are not actors, and it is. I mean, it just sucks the life out of every scene, and I don't know. I think Eastwood is kind of infamous for not doing a lot of takes, and I can't imagine right. he works very closely with these guys. And some Off of base. the some of the line readings are just really sad, and these guys just and and these guys are working with real actors, by the way. Uh, you know, they, they get Judy Greer, they get uh, right. oh shoot, who's the anyway the, the guy playing the prince? Oh, Tom Lennon plays the principal. Like, there's these recognizable character actors. Mm. He's an Oscar-winning director, Tom from uh, Tom Lennon. Movie. Oh, oh, Clint Eastwood, no. right? I mean, the Clint Eastwood from Unforgiven is very different from the Clint Eastwood we have today. Uh, but so anyway, these guys play themselves, and they're terrible, and it shows, and it just made me uncomfortable watching the movie because these poor guys had no business carrying these scenes and I just felt awful for them. So that is not my pick, but the reason that I bring it up is there <laughs> wow. is another incident Judy that is, far, is the Bob. Yeah. That's far more prosaic where some dumbass high school or college kids thought, you know, in our library here, uh, there's some books that are worth a lot of money. I bet if we just – because there's no guards or anything. I bet if we just went in there and stole the books, we could sell them for a lot of money. And it's the kind of dumb thing that college undergrads who don't know any better and who drink a lot of beer might decide to do. So they did it, and they it went wrong, and you know nobody died or anything, but they got caught, and they were arrested, and they spent time in jail. And the story kind of plays like Bottle Rocket without being endearing. It's like what if these – Dumbass kids really just wanted to get by on stealing books from their school and selling them. And, you know, who are they going to sell them to? What are they, you know, once the books are gone, do they think they're going to get away with it? Uh, they try to do it with this. Anyway, they, they, yeah, they screwed they it up royally. It and a, a documentary filmmaker Another named Bart, named Bart, Le- Bart Layton, uh, who'd done documentaries, decided, I'm, I'm going to make a movie about this. And he cast, uh, as the three dumb kids, a fellow named Blake Jenner, a fellow named Evan Peters, and a fellow named uh, Barry mm-hmm. Keown, 
all of whom oh. I think are fantastic actors. And he knew better than to say, you know, these guys are they, they're grown up. They've gotten out of prison. We could have them play themselves. Instead, he knows, let's get actors, and in this case, very good actors, to play these characters. But what Bart Layton does, and I think it's because he's a documentary filmmaker, is he has the actual kids, who aren't kids anymore, they've grown up, they did their time in prison, he has them playing themselves in the movie, talking about what they did, and interacting with the other actors. Like, there's a scene where uh, one of the guys is talking to, I think it's Barry, uh, Evan Peters' character, saying, you know, was I really like that? And, and, and like, it's a very self-aware thing uh. where a story is being told about what these guys did with actors playing them, but these guys are commenting on it, and they're part of the movie. And I'm sorry, I didn't uh. even mention, the movie is called American Animals. Um, uh. And I just love the, the his take on let's tell a real-life story but get actors to do it, how he – did a compromise with also how fascinating it is to watch the actual people uh, in the movie alongside them. Whereas Clint Eastwood is just like, yeah, I don't care if they can't act. We're just going to put them in the movie. Yeah. As long as they can take the box cutter without yeah. losing a thumb, I'm not going to find someone, some stuntman who's stuck. So that's my very tortured but... way of saying uh, those are, uh, and I should have written dudes' names down, but the dudes who are in American Animals who played themselves uh, I loved that gimmick. I loved how that was used to tell the story. All three of them. All three or, of them. There's actually me. four of them, but I forget that the the actor who plays the fourth one is not a name you guys would know. I liked him a lot, though. His it's like the dog in Hangover. Leonard Abramson, I think. Yeah, exactly right. But uh, or he's, Zeppo. He's he's a he's more like a Zeppo because he's he's in there prominently with them. But there's a Gummo who's on the cutting floor. <laughs> the thing, and, other books. and the thing watching it, like it really is like. They're, as they're because it's a heist movie basically done by dumbasses and and the yeah. ridiculous ideas that they have about how to get away Tell with this are just it's absurd it's like you guys really thought you weren't gonna go to jail if they're this high, they're kids though yeah yeah they're I dumb worry sometimes kids. I'm still that dumb right Wait, right am I being seventeen <laughs> well Kelly why is it called American Animals. Like uh, a, because what they're libraries and stuff. yeah what they're stealing is uh, a, an illustrated like, James Audubon uh, manual or uh, huh. it's it's a big it's a big old uh, what do you call like a big book of atlas. pictures it's not an atlas it's just a bunch a of audubon's book. works uh in a book uh like in a gallery that are displayed and it's called american animals that's the thing they're going to steal oh so it's and, it, and it's very proudly displayed at this college like this college it was given to them and they proudly display it in a, in a glass glass case in the library and a, oh. a wonderful actress named ann dowd who I, I love her. Uh, she's the librarian who's not tasked with guarding it. She's just a librarian that they have to get past. Uh, I love her so much. So she was. Now what I was. Yes, Kelly. I was saying before about the package. How there's a boring, handsome kid and a goofball sidekick and a fat guy. Yes. Is, Except instead of the fat guy, a super cut jock played by Blake Jenner. Bro, let's take the books out of the library. <laughs> Guys, I don't think we should do this. Kelly and, Wanda. Uh, endowed from Hereditary? Yeah, yeah, from Hereditary and the movie Nancy with Andrea Riseborough. Uh, yeah. Wait, who was she in Hereditary? She was uh, the woman that Tony Collette meets at the support group. Oh, right. Yeah. And, uh, um, critical role. She's also, I, I, uh, my sister told me after we saw that, she's also uh, prominently featured in uh, Handmaid's Tale, which I haven't seen. I haven't either. I haven't seen it either. Yeah. So. We're All right, Kelly Wand, I have a question for you. What That's is your funny s- that she's in Nancy. That's funny. 
What is her second? What is your second favorite example of someone? Tom playing... saw with his sister Nancy. Sorry, what Tom? <laughs> My yes, number two. Your... Yes. Is that the question? Yes, uh, it is, yes. I think you'll like this one. It's uh, my number two favorite uh, actor <laughs> in a movie. No, no, Tom will, Tom will like it, and you'll go, um, is uh, the an actress named Ashlyn Yenny. Does that name ring a bell for you, Tom? Uh, I'm thinking of a character from the movie The Witcher, from the game The Witcher. That can't be right. No, who's Ashlyn Yenny? Uh, Ashlyn Yenny is, she is in the motion picture The Human Centipede. It's the middle. Oh, you know, Kelly Wong, this is actually a good pick. This is a good one. And in Human Centipede 2, it's about, well, it all turns out to be a dream sequence, but it, it's, it's like a parking attendant who's creepy and weird, and he's obsessed with the first movie. And so he tricks the actress, Ashlyn Yenny, from the first movie into saying, hey, I need to meet you for a Quentin Tarantino movie. And then he, like, clubs her with a crowbar and then puts her back in Human Centipede. So yeah. the, the opening of Human Centipede, where you, too, where you see what the, I think it's, where you see what the uh, what the gimmick is going to be and how he's going to make a yeah. sequel. I was still totally with Tom Six. That's the name of the guy who did these movies. Yeah. I like Human Centipede, and the oh, the setup for Human Centipede too. I was like, yeah, that's ingenious. That's great. Yeah. But then the rest of the movie happens. <laughs> so. Well, it gets it gets lamer after the centipede gets. Made. And boy, the third like, one, you really want to see yeah. things jump around the third one. But yeah, I love this pick, Kelly Wan. It's a good one. Yeah. And also. I really like, I really admire, and in Roger Ebert's scathing review, like, he gave Human Centipede one zero stars, but went, well, it is what it is, uh, you know, you might like it if you're a foul person, but, you know, <laughs> it's, but it is good if you're foul, and then the second one, he's, like, angry at it, he's like, ah, oh, this is the worst, like, even if you watch this movie, you're, something's wrong with you, he just hates it, and then at well, the end, he's like, by the way. Mitty, and Tom yeah. Six is playing on that. This idea that you know, right. watching horror movies will make you demented and weird, and yeah, yeah. yeah so I'm sorry, yeah, I cut yeah. you off. And at the end, Ashlyn Yenny does what? Well, at the end of the Ebert review, Ashlyn Yenny's all she she was in the first movie. Do you think now she'll leave Hollywood? That her other her second credits, Human Centipede two. And to me, it's like that's fucking awesome. Like she because she was the middle segment of Human Centipede. It must have been the worst production ever, like to be in that role. <laughs> and then he's like, I guess she doesn't have any facial damage. That's good. But it's like, does Roger Ebert not know how special effects work? I guess not. But even as an act, like, okay, I don't even know how acting works, but I'm sure being the middle segment in the first human centipede was probably not like a great role. Like not only are people not going to see your face, going to associate you with like the most nauseating aspect of the movie. And she gets killed off in it. Like I think the back chick lives human centipede, but then to go, yeah, I'll do the sequel. I'll do it again. Like that's, I think that's gutsy. I don't yeah, know. yeah, and I, I think Tom Six's approach for how to do a sequels. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. and she also plays herself as kind of bitchy too. Because you like, know the, the the Scream movies were so proud of how they were all yeah. self-referential and meta, and and it got to be a little bit much. But I, you know, just as a setup for okay, we're gonna do a sequel, and here's how, and here's the stuff we're gonna yeah. riff on, and furthermore, here's how we're gonna recycle a character or use a character who died in the first one uh like yeah. those are those are pretty clever when they're done when they're not overdone uh when they're overdone it's uh it was like uh the nightmare on elm street where it had the girl who was in the first movie and wes craven right. in it as themselves and it was really boring but ashlyn yenny in human centipede 2 at the beginning i think she's in a limo in london and she's on a phone and she's talking like she's now this huge glamorous movie star <laughs> because of human centipede and to me that was hilarious like yeah um 
chick for the human centipede, bitches. And I think, like, and I think she's, again, like, that's, up on people. And that's yeah. Tom Six. It's like power fantasy in a way. Right, right. <laughs> or like, yeah, that's what. That's why we did it, or something. Right, and right. she's just like kind of snooty. Like she's not even a sympathetic. Right, like, right. It, it's yeah. a, and then she it happens to her again, and it was I, I don't know. I think it's a good joke. Why? I think it's how much of this makes you want to watch the first two human centipede movies. Well, first of all, I love that uh, <laughs> they get worse. Describes the, playing the middle part of the human centipede as gutsy because that's a funny joke. Well, coming uh, back after that. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and see? coming back. See, Dingus, uh, we need Dingus to explain our jokes. And second of all, um, I've already seen Human Centipede and I described it on a three by three of things you've never seen before, uh, based on uh, things that Kelly Wand had mentioned and that I saw. Um, because so Ashley Yenny, you know all about her. Yeah, well, I I never saw the second one because I don't like human beings. I mean, I never saw number two uh, because uh, you guys talked about it as terrible. Thing is, just skip well, ahead to the third Human Centipede. That's where I that's like where... the first half of Human Centipede. The first half of the of the trilogy is good, and then the second half it's all bad. Right, right. It's like first half of the centipede. Well, Dingus, you're the middle one in this three by three. So, what is your uh, second favorite? If, the Ashlyn Yeti. Someone, you know, someone playing him or herself. All right, here's a quote from it. Uh, what's the difference between Miami and Cleveland? They're the same. <laughs> That's a good line. Someone bad at geography. I don't know. That's busters. Uh, no, this is from a movie called Trainwreck, and uh, I absolutely. Love LeBron James in this movie. Yeah, oh, Trainwreck. I was thinking of the thing with uh, Clive Owen and Jennifer Aniston. Uh, derailed. Okay, no, Trainwreck. Thank no, you, Dick. No. no, this is a great one, too. Okay, go ahead. Right. This is the Judd Apatow <laughs> movie that, of course, was... Derailed. <laughs> derailed. The aptly named Derailed. <laughs> that, of course, was written by Amy Schumer. And I, I am gaga over this movie. I love yeah. this movie so much. It's good. And I just think that uh, there are a couple of, of cameos in this movie. There's uh, there's a couple other sports figures who play parts in it, and they're just no good. Um, but they're okay. But LeBron James is just amazingly good. I mean, it's 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 next level good as far as an athlete appearing in a movie. Um, uh, you know, it's not like I mean. You know, who's who? I forget who plays the character in He Got Game, and I, I'm sorry that I can't remember it. But he, I mean, he's really that good at, at at acting at it now. Right. Uh, no, He Got Game is the Spike Lee movie about the basketball player, and I can't remember. I can't remember the dude's name, and I feel feel bad about that. But he's not playing himself; he's playing a, a character. Um, here, LeBron James is playing LeBron James, and. I love I love what he does. I love the way he plays himself. Um, and he's kind of playing a character of LeBron James. And my, my top two movies are a person playing a character, but it is themselves playing themselves. And I, I love his the relationship that he has with Bill Hader's character. I think he's he's he plays it absolutely straight. I mean, there's a number of I mean Matthew Broderick shows up for some reason. Um in this weird interview section where they're talking to the doctor uh, because LeBron James has staged an intervention. Um, LeBron James gets really, uh, it, one of the funny things is in the, 
in the outtakes he's he's laughing so hard that he starts crying and he says okay if you guys want tears go ahead and shoot this uh, i'll make my face serious because now i've got tears that are actually <laughs> happening uh. um but he's he's totally he's totally stone-faced and <clears throat> and my favorite part is when they're at this dunk competition, and he sits. And uh, the doctor has to go and help one of the cheerleaders because she thinks she's rolled her ankle. And the, he's a sports doctor. Bill Hader's playing a sports doctor, and Amy Schumer is playing a, a, a quote-unquote journalist for this terrible magazine uh, that's just t- totally sensationalist magazine called Snuff. Um, and so when he goes off, LeBron James comes and sits next to Amy Schumer, who's just started dating this doctor, who's his, his close, who's LeBron James close friend, uh, or who they consider close friends. Uh, and, and he's basically like, what are your intentions? I mean, he's, he's very paternal. what What are your plans with him? Um, when, you know, he has this great line where it's like, do you hear his name when you listen to the wind? And he says he says a few lines like that, totally straight, good. totally believable, and he's just so strong in this part. And he's got uh, three or four really great scenes. But the, the the scene in the restaurant with the doctor, where they're where he's where he's like back and forth about, okay, well you got the salmon, right? Um, all right, well, okay, and and. Bill Hader's like, we're you're splitting it. Just pick up the check. You, and he's like, no, I don't know what's gonna happen. This is everybody. I don't want to wind up That's like so fucking um, funny. I don't want to wind up like MC Hammer. If, if I wind uh. up like MC Hammer, what's gonna happen? And uh, and then it turns out he's forgotten his wallet and Bill yeah, <laughs> fucking dick. I mean, and and LeBron never breaks. He's no. really, really good. He's got great comic timing, and he's great at playing himself. Uh, and it's very simple, and and it's a weird take on it. He, he drives 40 minutes back to the doctor's office to pick up this $30 pair of sunglasses. He's like, you think I'm going to give $30 to Sunglass Hut again? Uh, it, it's just a funny take on who he is, um, and he's perfect. He's absolutely perfect. So yeah. train and I love train wreck. I absolutely love train wreck. Yeah. Uh, if that it's sports thing doesn't work out for him, maybe he can go into acting. Then that's a good. Well, that's good that's probably why he's. He can only play himself. Los Angeles, uh, and oh, part of the bad. LA Lakers, uh, because he does want to. He does want to do that. He wants in the to, movie he, or for real. No, it, for reals. He's yeah. moved from Cleveland now to Los Angeles to be an to be actor. A, no, yeah, well, he lives to your neighbor, Tom. Now to be Martin. an yeah, yeah, he lives on our street. Well, uh, you could see him <laughs> from your house. Uh, no, he 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 got transferred or traded. He was a free agent. He got traded, but he was a free agent, um, so he got bought by the L.A. Lakers. And mainly, the the speculation is because he wants to create his own media persona and and Wait, keep doing when. When his head. Uh, in, in basketball, a team buys a player. That's what it's called. 
No, not really. Oh, yeah, uh, trade's I, not the right word. I'm thinking more along the lines of the way soccer works because I'm constantly hearing Kiernan. And well, I, thought, I mean, I didn't know if that was actually how they – I mean, I, I know the idea of hiring someone, but I didn't know if they actually – that just felt weird to me. They talk about buying LeBron James. I didn't know if that was how No, it, that's not Only if the Clippers way. guy does it, then it's I, weird. I put it wrong. Um, like players go on loan and – Right, right. No, I know there's like all that. that. I just didn't know if buy was actually a verb that was used. No, no. I, was no, gonna, I, I shouldn't was have be uncomfortable it. with that. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, uh, no. and, and rightly so. Right. Um, no, he got traded. But – Everybody's and, dumb. And he, and he had agency in doing that. I mean that was his choice to go where he wanted to go because he's LeBron James and he can go wherever he wants. He just forgot his wallet, Tom. Yeah. Right. Could, yeah, I, I shouldn't have put it that way. Uh, Kelly Wan, how's your bracket look? Uh, my final four are in my top six, so I got the West sewn up. But so and Diggs, are these, just walks it in. Diggs, uh, is he saying actual things that you say when you ask someone how's your bracket look? No. Does he not? Okay, Kelly, on haha, you don't know sports. I tried to do a sky hook and then I swished it, but then I only got an air ball. Yeah, and Tom would describe an air ball as nothing but net. You got anyway, space, Tom, you, you got a Space Jam, Kelly Wand. What is your number? Oh, two? there's another one. My number two. Let's get back to terrorism for a moment. Yeah. Uh, so my number two is uh, when Paul Greengrass made United '93, uh, which uh, boy holds up. I love how dispassionate it oh. is as a procedural. No, I don't, Kelly Wan. Do you want to explain? You're a, you're a sick man for saying that that joke. Uh, Dingus, I can't believe what I just heard. Part of the procedural oh, stuff that he does is uh, showing you how air traffic controllers first realized – I mean the, the first people, of course, to realize – when 9-11 was happening with the victims. But beyond that, it was the air traffic controllers who noticed airplanes starting to, to not respond to the, the AT, to the calls. Uh, and they – so these guys were on the front lines of realizing uh, this is not normal and something crazy is going on. At first it was just a hijacking, and then when it happened to multiple airplanes. Uh, and all this information was coming in to the Federal Aviation Administration. And the headquarters, they have like an operations center that coordinates all the different air traffic controllers uh, under the FAA at different airports. And the head of the operations center, uh, and it was his first day on the job on 9-11, was a fellow who'd worked his way up through the FAA. Uh, He had a background as a lawyer, I believe. His name was Ben Sliney. And they hired, Paul Greengrass hired Ben Sliney to consult in United 93. Uh, Paul Greengrass very famously worked with a lot of the uh, families of the survivors, the people who were actually there in these operations centers in the military uh, firsthand when things were going on. So another guy was playing Ben Sliney, and he gave the actual character, and Paul Greengrass gave Ben Sliney sort of as a a bit of thanks, a small part. Uh, And in watching Ben Sliney do this little part, he was like, you know, why don't how would you feel about just playing yourself? And this guy had never acted before, uh, and he was like, uh, okay, sh- sure. Uh, so the coordinator of the FAA, and it's a big part in United 93, is played by the guy who was actually there that day. Uh, and if you look at some of the smaller parts and look it up, uh, one of the young ladies who was in the military center, uh, working with an actor named uh, Greg Henry, I think, uh, she's also the woman who was actually there that day. Uh, I think she's like a tech sergeant or something, but mainly Ben Sliney because his part is substantial. And I don't even think, especially with the way Paul Greengrass is shooting the movie, you don't necessarily have 
to be an actor. He's just doing things like giving commands, and he's very comfortable with the language and with the idea that, okay, when this is happening, you say this to these guys at this screen, you say that to these guys over here, you talk to these guys back here and tell them. And, and as things are falling apart and this chaos is, is just starting to emerge for what's happening and nobody's sure, you know, is this plane that's missing? Uh, is this one of them that hit the, the Twin Towers? Uh, you know, there's all this confusion going on, and this guy was at one of the, the vortices of all these, these confused mm. bits of information. And just watching him relive that, um, you know, it's, it's not an emotional uh, performance. And it's, it's interesting to hear Ben Sliney say, you know, we're trained professionals – and, and that's also part of what happens in the movie is the air traffic controller guys aren't losing their shit and freaking out. And they're super professional and their voices – and this is amazing when you hear actual uh, conversations with cockpits uh, during these emergencies. Their voices yeah. are super calm and measured, uh, and the actors playing the ATC guys are like that. And so Ben Sliney isn't emotionally reacting. He's trying to hold it together, and he's, he's trying to be efficient. And he even talked in an interview about how – when we look at airplanes, we think of them as, as units, as objects, and we have to do that because if you mm. think of them as 200 people in the sky, uh, you would just fall apart. Like that, that's, right. that's impossible to wrap your mind around. So just watching – with that in mind, watching this guy Her. reliving uh, – right, right, per dot on the screen, yeah. yeah, and just watching this guy relive it. And also, man, the scenes in this movie – it's just so, it's 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 really like a, a gut punch. The moments you know, there's all the chaos, and Paul Greengrass is so good at this documentary style, just fly on the wall camera work, where all this stuff is happening, and in these rooms where there, there's all these screens going on and people talking, trying to get information from each other, and they call CNN up on the CNN up on one of the big screens, when when the planes actually hit. Just the, the the gasp in the room and mm. then the pall, the quiet that falls over the room for a moment, man, that just mm. like takes you back. That is like – it's like being punched in the stomach. It's just just that moment too where these professionals just – they suck in their breath and then are completely still and just floored by what they've seen. Uh, those are such mm. powerful moments in United 93. So wow, my that's two. a really great pick because I don't remember that. I don't remember. I mean, and and that's that was that might have been my number one movie that year. Yeah, I think the, it was yours. The guy's face too, like he's got a like he he looks like he's out of central casting playing oh. uh, like a government official. Like he totally looks like one. Right. He's totally got the look. So it's a reversed Eastwood. But what I was yeah, going to yeah, ask yeah. you is that uh, you, you know how um, in the movie um, uh, Bubble. Um, Soderbergh uses uh, amateurs or non-actors to play these roles, and and he's really good at doing that. He's really good at 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 coaxing performances out of amateurs, but you can tell that they don't quite know what they're doing, and it feels a little awkward. But that adds to it. Is that what's going on there? I don't remember. No, no, not at all, because he's not having to do a performance. He's not having to play anything. He's basically told, just do what you do from day to day, and then we're just going to recreate moments of chaos on yeah. September 11th, and we just want you to react the way you would, understanding that they don't get super emotional. I mean, that, that gasp and that pall that falls over the room, like I, that's authentic. When you see that picture, mm -hmm. that's how you feel when you see that imagery mm -hmm. still. So he's not 
asking uh, Ben Sliney to put on any sort of mask or do anything that's not already a fundamental part of his experience. He's basically saying, Paul Greengrass, to Ben Sliney, who's working with these other actors and also other ATC professionals. I mean, there's a, a lot of authenticity that's not faked in uh, in United 93. He's just telling them, just just go through the motions, do what you would do in this situation. You know, let in a way, let your training kick in, let your professional side kick in and handle this the way you would handle it rather than like Steven Soderbergh saying to the guy, okay, you know, pretend you're, you've just found out that this woman is a murderer, uh, you know? Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah. It, it can't it, be it, harder it, to reenact it than it was to live through it. Well, well that, no, yeah, no, no, yeah. it can be. I mean, that, that's kind of I what know. I'm thinking about because, you, you know, so. asking somebody to reenact something that they've been through, people tend to embellish or you to prepare for it. Or to gild the lily a, a bit, and I wonder if Paul Greengrass didn't like let the camera run for a while until people got feeling natural, because you know, as, as anybody in a in a in a in a in an ER or a firefighter or a policeman would act in a certain situation, when they were asked to reenact it, they might try to act it. Right. Uh, but I, 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 if they're if they're like you make me think, Dingus, of uh, the young woman at the end of Captain Phillips, who plays a medic right. who yeah. comes to treat Tom Hanks, and she's not being asked to reenact anything. And, and I love the scene between them. She's just saying, okay, you know, uh, who directed that? Uh, uh, at any rate, uh, oh, was that someone Paul Greengrass? Like no, that can't yeah, I think right. it was Paul. No, I think it, it was Paul. I think you're right. Yeah, uh, he, d- he did. Director, Green Zone too. Yeah, the director just said to the to the young woman who is a, a Navy corpsman, of the Navy equivalent of a medic, just hmm. ask him the same questions you would ask anyone you were treating. And so it's it's her training and not a reenactment necessarily or performance. And and Dingus, you're right. Like that. Like United ninety three was shot like four years after nine eleven. Uh, and I, I think when you put that imagery up on a big screen and you tell people, you know, just go about doing your, your business, pretend that right. you're actually trying to get people on the phone and you're trying to track something on this screen. And when there's a big screen up there that shows the plane hitting, like I think it's – it's not like me having to pretend I'm being mugged or something. You see that image and especially you know, four years after, it just takes you back to that moment. I mean it's a visceral gut reaction that I think in a way you don't have to act. Um, well, well, the thing is, uh, what what I was kind of driving at is that is that uh, you'll have a certain reaction when you're in professional sure. mode, but then when you get home, you might fall apart. Right. You right. know, th- those 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 men and women might have fallen apart when they got home, and and when they see the footage every year when on the memorial of it, they might fall apart. Yeah. And then having to go back into the room and say. Now imagine you're back in the room right. when it happened rather than the emotional reaction you had afterward that you allowed yourself to have. Go back to that moment. I mean that's tough. Yeah, what, it depends on the person. It though. depends on the person and what you're talking about, Dingus. Is that, you know, and they're, they're, this is something that there's an increasing awareness about. And my, my mother was a, at the forefront of this sort of thing as a registered nurse uh, is recognizing that people who – it may not have happened to can still suffer from post-traumatic stress disorders. Right. Uh, that there's very real uh, reactions like that from rescue workers, for instance, and and even right. just the guys watching in the air traffic controller screens. Uh, so so yeah, you're, you're right, Dingus. I mean, that's got to be hard. So to your question, uh, in reading an interview with Ben Sliney, he was asked basically what you're saying is wasn't that really difficult to relive that yeah, moment yeah, yeah, yeah. and he conceded well yeah it's it's very emotional but he also said and kelly one what you said about uh uh 
what was her name? Ashlyn Yennefer in, in, in yeah. Human Centipede. Shooting movies is fun. And Ben uh-huh. Sliney yeah. was like, no, I, you know, it, it was difficult those moments, but I had a great time. These were really fun people to work with. And Kelly yeah. Wand, I don't doubt, Ashlyn Yenny mm. probably had a great time shooting Human Centipede too. Uh, I remember watching a really extreme French, and Dingus has seen this, uh, like French new extreme horror, new wave? No, there's this uh, extreme French school of new horror that might have the word wave in it somewhere. But uh, there's a movie called, uh, uh, oh shoot. Inside? What's, yeah, Inside, uh, with... Beatrice, I'm not going to remember the actress's In, names, but I love them It's interior, or something. it's called like Linterior. Yeah, yeah, yeah Linterior, yes, thank you, Dingus, Linterior, it's translated as inside. Uh, it's a really grueling sort of slasher movie about a pregnant <laughs> yeah. woman being threatened, and a crazy woman locked in the house with her, and watching it is just really tense and, and uh, just uncomfortable, and you think, oh, that must have been horrible to shoot. Mm. But then you watch the behind-the-scenes stuff on yeah. the, the DVD, <laughs> and they're just having a great time, and it's a great yeah. way to sort of decompose press but you see no they're just laughing yeah. and they're enjoying this and yeah i did they, that with martyrs and the behind the scenes the contortionist in martyrs is just giggling between yeah, shots yeah and just like exactly he's right, totally right. digging it just like yeah. ah. so like, to your point dingus laughing. i'm sure that uh that there you, mm. you know that for some people that was something they had to struggle with and whether or not they wanted to participate in the movie and again i think paul greengrass was very sensitive about this uh mm. they had to make a choice you know he he had, and he also, I'm sure, wanted to make sure everyone was comfortable. I mean, this movie—he right. was on tenterhooks when he was doing this movie because it yeah, was really a bit of a risk. Yeah. Uh, an event yeah. so big. Too uh, soon. Right. Exactly, Kelly Wand. Exactly. And yeah. also, what sort of treatment? Like, how is it going to be sensationalist? Is all this Todd right. Beamer? And I'd forgotten this. You know, Todd Beamer was one of the guys in United '93 who's kind of. Im- immortalized as, as saying "Let's roll" before they went out, and right. Clint Eastwood doing that scene would play yeah. it up, and it would just be hammy, and it would be. But I, I'd forgotten this in United '93, the guy playing Todd Beamer. You know, they're back there cowering in the seat, and they're trying to figure behind the seats, and they're trying to figure out when to rush the cockpit. And the guy playing Todd Beamer isn't like, "Let's roll." He's like, "Let's go, let's go, let's roll, let's go, let's go. Come on, let's go, let's do it now." The "let's roll" is just. You know, uh, Paul Greengrass puts it in there, but he doesn't hit it. Like, yeah. He doesn't make it a flag or anything. He makes it a detail about the character. Like the car commercial. It's What's the car commercial? After it happened, it was like – Oh, was like let's roll. Was like, let's roll. Right, right. Yeah, get yeah. America rolling. Yeah. Uh, but I remember watching it because I watched it again last night. Watching it, I was thinking, well, how are they going to do – the let's roll bit because that's kind of jingoistic these days and and just hearing that guy go let's go let's go let's roll let's go let's go like that's just yeah. a great way to do it is just have it be one of the many things he says have it be a, you know a, a very difficult heightened moment for him and those, that's just one of the things that he says during that moment it's not a battle cry it's like an, an he realizes it's an inevitability and he wants to get on with it it's uh, such a ballsy way because he, he even kind of uh, humanizes the terrorists a little bit because they're well, nervous that's and freaked a, yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and the like scene more too, than you would in a Chuck Norris movie. Right, right, exactly. And the scene in, in the you, you know the parallels with the prayer when they're praying. I can see yeah. some people being very uncomfortable with that. I'm I'm okay with that. But also when the main terrorist uh, in the airport lobby before he uh, boards the plane, and I don't think it's clear. I mean, it's, he was married and he had a child, but it's not in the movie. It doesn't explain it. Uh, he just picks up his cell phone and he calls someone and he says, "I love you." And then he hangs up yeah. and gets on the plane. Yeah. And yeah. Paul Greengrass deciding to edit that in there, 
Uh, yeah. I think that's kind of ballsy. Ballsy. It's ballsy just to make a movie. Like I'm a film buff, and I've seen that movie once, and I never want to watch it again. I watch it. It's very skillfully made. Kelly Wand, what if I told you that Olivia Thurlby is in it? Uh, what happens to her? I don't want to watch her crash. She's in it. She's one of the passengers. She plays one uh, of the towers. Uh, Olivia fine. Thurlby. It's kind of weird too because it's it was, what, 2005. So it was a yeah. long time ago. It's 10 years ago. But it's weird watching it now, and because those actors have gone on to get more work. Paul Greengrass yeah. intentionally cast people who. Uh, weren't known actors. Uh, right. There are a couple of exceptional character actors you'll spot, but now, 10 years later, those actors have gotten more work, and one of them is Olivia Thurlby. One of them is a guy named, uh, I think, David Raish, who, the moment I saw him, I was like, oh, yeah, that's the guy from In the Loop and Veep. Mm -hmm. I, I love his face. Uh, so, oh. yeah, after 10 years, you recognize some of those people. Yeah, so, I've Kelly seen, Wand, I've if you... have seen it three or four One times. And it's... 60 seconds, sorry. Wait. Oh, we've lost yeah. Kelly Wand. All right, well, I guess right. the Olivia Thurlby thing didn't do it for him, Dingus. I'm so and you watched it this week, Tom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, I've watched it three or four times since it came out, and it just pays off every time. And it's it, it's difficult to watch, but it's difficult in a cathartic way. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. It's definitely. I think it's I think it's useful. I mean, I think we have to keep remembering that kind of thing. Uh, but it's also so well done. It's it's just undeniably craft. As far as filmmaking is concerned, it's unbelievable. I just, I, I when when we watched it, I couldn't believe that he got it right. I couldn't believe it. It was uh, definitely an against all odds thing, and it makes you wonder. Yeah. Ugh, green Zone, what happened? Born and Paul Greengrass is from Scotland or England or Ireland. He, he's just English. He did the movie about. Uh, uh, I want to say Sunday Bloody Sunday, but that's the U2 song. No, uh, it's it's just Bloody Sunday. Oh yeah, right, right. He did the movie Bloody Sunday about the uh, Londonderry. Uh, massacre and that was yeah, Ireland, yeah. but he's an English guy. He's an uh, English dude. Yeah, right. he's very much an English guy. Um, and it, and and that's that was another thing that w that struck me when the movie was going to come out. I'm like, you're gonna have an English dude do this, what seems to be a quintessentially American uh, story, right. you know? And they shot it in England too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was, I mean, it's yeah. it's sort of mind blowing that it yeah. works. Now, wh where would you put? Like I know that you liked Patriots Day. Um, It'll be so hot in '93. Oh my God! So <laughs> Does Patriots Day oh. rank? Patriots anywhere? Day. Peter Berg. I mean, Peter Berg isn't. Peter Berg still wants it to be a little adventurous, and he lets Mark Wahlberg do that stuff. But as a procedural, it's not nearly as uh, humane as about. The, it's not nearly as much about oh. the humanity as United '93 is, as the uh, just the procedural of hey, if these guys set off a bomb if they just dropped a backpack and then disappeared into a crowd how on earth can anybody find them in a matter of days like peter berg answers that question with the process and some famous actors playing different characters whereas paul greengrass just lets things unspool with this fly yeah. on the wall perspective so there's a lot of procedural stuff in patriots day uh but it's not nearly as on point with the human element. And, you know, Mark Wahlberg shows up every now and then and is completely out of place. His character is completely from whole cloth invented and jammed into different scenes. Right. Uh, but if you just sort of put a, a hold up a Mark Wahlberg shaped barricade in front of him every time, <laughs> the movie benefits a little bit from that. Yeah. So. All right. So I think we are now down to our number one picks. Kelly Wand. I need to know your favorite example of all time of someone playing him or herself in a movie. Uh, I'll do a quote. Yeah, you will. Uh, 
Wow, you're really uh, great in that movie uh, where you play that retard. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. I have a cousin who's a retard. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so, you know, as you might imagine, it means a lot to me to see retards portrayed uh, so compassionately. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. That's... I think he's so... better. I think he's better as the jewel thief. <laughs> I was, yeah. Or you remember the part where he's ordering towels on the phone? I That's think it's the my first favorite time. thing. And this is my yeah. number too, but you go first. Yeah. Uh, it's John Malkovich from being John Malkovich, of course. Uh, oh, oh, right, right. Far and away the most interesting self-portrayal in motion picture history. Really the only choice I could think of. Because uh, it's so critical to... And, but the part where he is ordering towel, the way he presents himself is just kind of this sort of pontificating. Bestia. Wait, Dingus, did you say that was your number two as well? This you is my number, number one. one. As well. yeah. Oh, 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 your number one, yeah, right? Definitely. Your as, two, right, right. as soon as you came up with this topic, I, I immediately thought thought of this, and and I hoped something would unseat it because it seems like such an obvious choice to me. Yeah. But Malkovich, watching Malkovich, Malkovich? watching it again, it's just it's undeniable. But Kelly's still talking. Go ahead, Kelly. No, I'm kind of done. I mean, I like to. It's just. If you've seen it, you know, and if you don't know, then you should just see it, I guess, is how I want it. Well, what I like about it is that it's not just a gimmick. It's it's And, right. and this is what I said about uh, LeBron and Trainwreck, is that he's playing a character that is John Malkovich, um, but he's playing himself, um, and he's not – and, he, and it's, it's, it's an entirely fearless portrayal uh, of himself. I mean, he's fearless, and this, this is one of the reasons why I love the dude. I mean, he's not afraid to look crazy or weird or strange. Um, and that, like, we have a friend named Aaron who that towel ordering scene is one of his favorite scenes ever. I just remember him just, yeah. just loving that scene because it's such, it's such a ridiculous reversal. Because what you think is going to happen is. The, the guy who is experiencing that when he goes into John Malkovich's head is going to be like, oh, all I got was a towel ordering thing. But <laughs> he instead, he drops onto the New Jersey turnpike and he's like, oh, my God. Let yeah, me, so where's that? He's like, yeah. Oh, the towels am I going to get? Okay, he's just he's just ordering towels. He's like, I'll I'll go with the uh, okay. You you don't have that color. I'll, okay, I'll go with loam. You know, and it's and and. And John Malkovich is just so unafraid to look like crap and be a douchebag and and be a douchebag and be weird and be ugly. And that whole scene with all the Malkovich stuff where he's playing the piano and he's in a dress and yeah. he's a little baby in Hating that himself. whole yeah that whole thing where it's like I've been to the dark side I've seen a world no man should see that whole thing where he goes into the portal of his own mind. Um, including, I mean, the rest of the performance. It's a, it's an absolutely yeah. brilliant performance, and he's essentially it's a change. He gets possessed, yeah. But yeah. he's not playing himself. He's playing a character of himself. So I feel like this is kind of cheating Tom's topic a little bit uh, because no, it's, come on, why? Bec- I mean, because it's 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 a construction of of who he is. It's it's. I don't know. It's but it's still it's a, playing. I mean, the operative word I think here is playing. Uh, he's yeah. playing himself. So, uh, uh, names right. in the title. Yeah. Well done. Okay, fine. Um, but what what's what drives me crazy about this in a really good way? And watching this again is really it really pays off. It really, you guys, if any any of you have not seen Being John Malkovich, please do see it. 
really pays off because it's this really beautiful amalgam of writing, which is uh, Charlie Kaufman and directing, which is Spike Jones and um, somehow working out the casting and how he, I, I just, I, I'm, I meant the to go, is. I meant to go and look, well, the, the Cameron Diaz thing bothered me at first because really? she's so gorgeous. Yeah. When I first saw it, I was really annoyed by it. Oh that. yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, she's so gorgeous. And no, like, she has glasses on dingus. Yeah. And so yeah. let's, let's make a gorgeous actor, <laughs> actress look ugly. Like there's not enough. And her uh, hair is not all that. Dingus. dingus. They didn't brush her hair. And I think she's got glasses. There's no way. Come on. That totally works. Yeah. But uh, do you know what national treasures in this movie? Uh, Chloe Moritz Grace. No, she's had her. Oh, Catherine Keener, right? Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, no, Catherine, it's great Keener, Catherine Keener. She's so she's so funny and confident and breezy and yeah. strong and just in control. And she drives. Oh, your puppeteer and... check, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you married? Yeah. I mean, I I just I I love her. She's just. She's, she's totally a, underwhelmed by Malkovich. Like she goes there just to seduce him. Maxine, that's her character's name. She just goes there and just like starts ignoring everything he says. Well, All right, she, she does it because she doesn't want to welch on a bet because he has to guess her name and he does this whole buzz, buzz Maxine thing that he does. Um, and she's awesome in it. Uh, but that whole thing, I, I just wonder, and I meant to look this up, how in the world Spike Jones was able to. Uh, or Charlie Kaufman was able to. However, they came up with, if we write this movie, we're going to have to get an actor who will do this. How do we do that? Do they have a relationship with John Malkovich? I don't know the details of that. Um, because you write this and you send it to the wrong person. Like being Tom Cruise, maybe he would do it. Maybe not. <laughs> Uh, he heard about it and then he read it and he went, "Oh, this is pretty good." Like he was suspicious of it, like, "Oh, is it making fun of me?" And then he read the script. Oh, oh really? And then, and then he signed on for it after he uh, read it. Yeah. Oh, so they wrote it without any. Yeah. Without... Hart Kaufman just rolled the dice. Yeah. Although he could have changed it. Yeah. But he's st- yeah. Because it's... remember, because I read it before it came out. I remember, and it, and the, in the third act before they made it, it was like this really different ending where it was like, uh, like. He- Somehow the devil was a character, and like he took over the earth, and like everyone on earth was puppets. It was this super elaborate, expensive thing. There was like a parade, and Craig's like a zombie puppet, and just like it, it's like more this apocalyptic ending. So I guess Spike Jones made him change it to something similar. Oh wow, I didn't know that. It's awesome. Yeah, a really crazy ending. I, I need to see if I can find that draft somewhere. Oh, that's awesome. I remember awesome. reading '95. Yeah, but yeah, so he did write it just for him and hoped, and then was rewarded. Because the guy's like, yeah, this is a great script. It was one of the best scripts ever. It's it's an amazing script, and there yeah. there's moments like where John Malkovich. There's a moment, one of the um, one of the moments where somebody's in his head. I think it's it's uh, it's Cameron Diaz, maybe. Um, he's just practicing reading a script and reading the script into a tape recorder, um, and he's doing like I think he's doing Richard. Richard the third, but I'm not yeah. sure. Um, he's just practicing basically. Uh, and John Malkovich has a great voice and he, and he knows how to read Shakespeare. Obviously he's doing kind of a Ben Sliney take on Malkovich. <laughs> the so, part. Uh, I'm so glad you picked this. Uh, I'm just, I'm nuts about that, that movie. I'm nuts about it. Yeah. That weird, you know, weird seven and a half floor thing. And, 
and the whole thing about her not the the receptionist not hearing things properly and the guy thinking that he has a speech impediment. Your ears. Yeah, that guy. Orson Bean. And a cult. Yeah, Orson Bean. Uh, yeah. Man, I love Voice of Bilbo Baggins. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. I kind of thought it was the best Kaufman movie, although I'm, I'm really partial to Shinnecdoche. Is that how I say it, Tom? Synecdoche. It makes fun of how I say it. Synecdoche. Synecdoche, New York? Well, Schenectady is the city. Synecdoche is the yeah. uh, substituting of a part for a whole. I can't stand Synecdoche. That's your first reaction, Dingus, and you have to watch it a second time. What's the Nicolas Cage one? National Treasure. Adaptation. <laughs> I think Adaptation How jumps the shark, scary. but that's part of the... That's the point, Kelly Wand. I know. And Judy Greer shows them in it. I you know. can't criticize the movie for doing what it's supposed no, to do. It's fine. I just think Malkovich is better. I like Adaptation. Fine. But it's it's less exciting to me than... Being right. Are you? Do more. you like uh, Malkovich, Tom? I do, but it's the one I know least. Uh, oh, all right. Really? Because I know Adaptation was your number one for that year. I yeah, think. no, I love Adaptation, I and, and I, I haven't gotten past that first viewing stage of, of Synecdoche. I've only seen it once, and I don't like it. But I've heard people either. talk about it who do like it, and I'm thinking, oh, I probably should see it again now that I know what I know. Uh, and the cast in that. But I don't think I've seen being John Malkovich since it was probably in theaters. I, I even like Human Nature a lot. I bet you Like did. I like Human Nature more than Adaptation. Kelly so, Wan, that's just non. Now you're just talking wait, nonsense. Dude. Miranda Otto, come on. I can't stand Synecdoche. Nothing you're uh, saying, saying makes sense, Kelly Wan. Uh, you know, <laughs> maybe I'm the smart one. You're the dumb one. What do you mean, maybe? <laughs> I'm just asking a question, man. Well, you two are the ones who copied from each other for your number one picks. I'm. I, I can't believe. So to be honest, I can't believe I didn't even think of that one because I spent the last week. I, so I picked this for my number one choice, but I've spent the last week like thinking, what are other examples of like famous people? It's normally like cameos, but I want to think of something that's just a cameo. And something I missed... in the movie title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I basically yeah. missed the 800-pound elephant in the room, didn't I? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, Actually, he plays the... himself multiple versions of himself, it's... like. He's really no, you're right. Really it's, it's in the gorilla. title. It's yeah. So yeah. It's the, the apotheosis gorilla... of playing yourself in a movie. Kelly, want well, quit showing off if you can't pronounce synecdoche. <laughs> I can say apotheosis. That's an easy one. All right, you guys ready for my number one pick and why I chose this? Unfortunately, I'm pretty sure it's a movie that you jokers haven't seen yet. Uh, there's a, a young woman uh, named Chloe, and I'm not going to – her last name is Chinese Zhao, I believe, Z-H-O-U. I think it's, you just say Zhao. Uh, have you guys seen the movie The Writer that came out? Uh, no. No. With a D, not no. With a D. The writer, the one that I think Bruce told us to see. Uh, yes, what? yes, yes. Uh, yeah. No, I've been wanting to see that. So the the writer is, and I this is an obstacle for me actually seeing it. But you know, once you're a few minutes into this, it, it, it you're I think a few minutes into this, I was I was confident I'd done the right thing and I was in solid hands as far as watching this movie. Uh, but it's okay, about, but... and my issue with wanting to see it is, it's it's about a. A rodeo – I don't even know what you call the dudes at rodeos, rodeoers, or, or cowboys, I guess. It's about a guy who does rodeos uh, who sustained an injury, and the movie opens with him 
uh, dealing with, he's got just this huge nasty wound that's been treated on the side of his head and his hair has been shaved. And it's just him struggling with the fact that he seriously injured himself in a rodeo accident, uh, like a brain injury. And he's struggling with the fact that he might never be able to do it again. Very much like the opening of The Wrestler with, with Mickey Rourke is mm-hmm. his identity is this thing that he does. And once he medically can't do it anymore, then what? Uh, but the writer becomes uh, something uh, very different. Uh, and there is my favorite example of someone playing himself in the writer. Uh, shortly in, into the movie, I think the, maybe the second scene, it shows this young guy, and none of, none of the people are recognizable actors, by the way, which is what I love about it, uh, uh, just sitting around with some friends at a campfire who are also uh, rodeo dudes, and they're just talking about their rodeo experiences. And mm. they're giving the, – the main guy's name is Brady, who's injured his head, and they're sort of giving him guff and saying, you know what, just, just – got to get back on the horse. You can't let it scare you. You can't let it spook you. You just got to saddle up and do it again. And, and then they start talking about someone who was uh, – it's mm. obviously the idea is like the, the older high school quarterback that they looked up to. It's another guy from rodeos, and they're, they're talking about, yeah, I remember when Lane did such and such. And, and they're, they're sharing stories about Lane and things that Lane said. Uh, and then one of them says to Brady, have you been to see Lane? And Brady says, uh, they moved him to a new rehab center. I, I haven't been able to see him yet. And then we cut to Brady going to see this guy, Lane, who's played by Lane Scott, uh, who his body is completely shattered. He, oh. he has almost no muscle control. He can't speak. His face is contorted, and he can only communicate by uh, signing letters while his arm is shaking, like almost uncontrollably. And there's a beautiful moment where uh, Brady is, uh, the movie is full of this kind of empathy. Brady is sitting there watching him sign the letter and is saying the letter out loud and kind of like autocorrect in Google. He's kind of anticipating what word Lane is trying to say. And it's just a really beautiful moment Mm. watching this guy say letters and then eventually put the word together and from that get the intent because he obviously knew Lane. Like he's obviously communicating with Lane and listening to Lane in as much as Lane can speak. Um, And watching the movie, I – you know, you you watch that sort of thing and I started noticing that the – you know, the guy's body is really like his muscles are atrophied. It's the sort of thing that you can't fake. This isn't like, uh, you know, what's eating Gilbert Grape, uh, or Leonardo DiCaprio fakes someone with this extreme autism. Like this is this is physically you can see by the dimensions of this guy's body that it's not an actor doing something. And while Brady is sitting there with Lane and they're talking, they start watching videos of Lane. Uh, at a rodeo and talking to the camera and the guy talking to the camera he's not atrophied and he's he's younger and he's he's a strong guy and even sort of flexes and makes a muscle and he's got a lot of braggadocio to him at one point he says into the camera uh i'm not trying to imply anything but me and superman have never been seen in the same room together it's (laughs) just this guy joking about how he's invincible and here is his shattered form watching this video and he's smiling like that would crush me to have to see that yeah. if I was trapped in a body. But he's smiling and him and Brady are kind of sharing this moment. And you watch that and that also you realize, Jesus, that's that guy. That's what that guy once looked like at a certain point. Um, so this is an early scene in the movie and it's just establishing who Lane Scott is. And the implication here is that uh, he was 
uh, wounded, in, he was injured in a, in a rodeo accident, which isn't the case. In real life, Lane Scott, who of course was an actual rodeo performer, uh, all of those videos were of course of him. Uh, five years ago, he was uh, injured in a car accident and he was in a coma for months uh, and he's just been undergoing laborious rehab. Uh, and he agreed, I'm sure, to be part of this movie. And he did scenes with uh, uh, Brady Jandro, I think is the guy's last name. Uh, and the two of them connect so beautifully. And But my favorite part isn't the moment I'm describing to you. It's later on in the movie. If this was like a Sundancey movie, at a certain point, Brady would break into the rehab center and he would carefully spirit Lane away in his arms and they would go and he would place Lane on a horse and let Lane ride a horse again, you know, very carefully. It would be a super tame horse. Uh, and then it would be a feel-good moment as Lane gets to, like, experience the, idea, the, the concept of being on a horse again. It would be very sundancy and poignant. Chloe Zhao does not do this, and what we get is, is so much more effective and so much more uh, impactful. Uh, the counterpart to that scene, to her refusal to do it and make it Sundancy. And not like a dark, oh, it's terrible thing, but just as, a, as an amazing, beautiful moment of empathy between a guy who's not an actor. And that's another thing is the guy mm -hmm. playing the lead in The Writer is – and the guy playing his father and the guy playing his sister, they're actually a father and son and sister. Uh, Chloe Zhao got to know them and made this movie about them and later included Lane Scott in it. Uh, but but the scene we actually get that's not a contrived Sundancey feel-good moment uh, is way more powerful because at that point you realize this is not an actor pretending that his body is shattered. This is a real person, and you can see that in there. Even though you can see him struggle and there's this kind of frustration, like when you're listening to someone with a stutter and you want you feel frustrated for them, you share that hearing seeing lane scott in this movie trying to spell out words uh and seeing his face there's clearly something in there there's clearly the sense that there's a man trapped in there uh and that he's struggling with it and it's just very powerful um so the the writer is an amazing movie I, I hope you guys will get to see it before the year is out uh and lane scott Obviously, as you realize in the course of the movie, being Lane Scott was just a, a, a courageous choice on his part and on the director's part. Mm. Uh, and certainly the actors uh, working with him were, were up to it. Um, so there you go. You guys haven't seen The Writer, but you should. Have you All ever right. been to a rodeo? Good Lord, no. Why would I go to a rodeo? Have you? Well, you're from, you're from Arkansas. I'm sure they have rodeos. Well, I've never uh, submitted a, a prize pig to a county fair either, Dingus. You haven't? <laughs> Why yeah, have you been to a rodeo? Why I've would you go? To I don't. Yeah. I don't get the. I, I might have so, been my youth. One of I didn't the great. Like it. One of the great things about the writer is, uh, just because it is such a powerful portrait of of what this guy is thinking and his, his experiences, is I kind of understood. Like I'd previously thought of rodeos as being, uh, uh, look at me dominating this thousand pounds of angry. Yeah, it seems mean to the animals. Exactly, like, I like exactly. Animals. I, but I wouldn't go to the thing like fuck the animals. I, I think what Chloe Zhao is shooting is much more of a kind of a relationship. And to be fair, more of what this movie's concerned with is men and horses rather than the whole bucking bronco thing. That's part of what they do. But what she's shooting is about empathy amongst human beings and how that can extend to uh, animals. 
and not in a PETA way, like, oh, animals are people too, but in a way like entire cultures, like the, the Mongols and the Macedonians and uh, the, the Comanche and the Spaniards, how entire cultures have been founded on a relationship to a horse. And that is what Chloe Zhao is kind of showing us with these people who aren't Yahoo cowboys. They're people whose cultures, whose lives are shaped by the fact that they have empathy with skittish, frightened, sometimes upset animals. Um, and, you know, we shoot a horse when it breaks its leg. We don't do that when or it Jane happens Fonda. to a human or Lane Scott. You know, Lane Scott, you... if Lane Scott had been a horse, he would have been shot in the head. Uh, and what does that say about us versus animals? And should it be that way? And uh, it's not a it's not a sappy movie at all, by the way. It's so not saccharine, and it's it's so not Sundancey, which is what I love about it. Uh, but anyway, no, no, I've never been to a rodeo. Kelly Wan hasn't either. Dingus, should I get out now? Go check out a rodeo. No, it's very upsetting. Oh, uh, yeah. but uh, I mean, I, I grew up part of the time. I grew up in Colorado, and so I saw the cowboys at the rodeo and. Um, it's brutal. It's, it's even the difficult. circus was too much for me. I was like, circus was too much for me. Sometimes zoos are too much for me. Yeah. You know, Tom Same. makes fun of me because I, I won't go to SeaWorld. Um, I think uh, we're right. And Tom's dumb on that. So. Well, <laughs> I, I just, I, I have a hard time with those things, but as a kid, your, your parents take you to those things and there's, there's, they don't know. There's a certain festivity about it. I mean, you're getting popcorn, uh, but uh, the moment you, that you talk about the 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 movie, Tom, I I, I can immediately I immediately get those the senses of of the smell of what 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 that arena smells like, um, and 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 the feel of it. Uh, uh, it was like horse. It, it it's not just horse. It's it's manure. It's it's hay. Oh. It's it's straw. It's people. It's this whole thing that goes in into my brain. And it's and it's and it's brutal. But there are people who love it, and then and there are people, as Tom is describing, who are doing it because of of you know just because of making a living, and people who are doing it uh, because they love the animals. Um, uh, but uh, but it's not something that I would ever want to do again. It's just something that I experienced a few times when I was growing up. And so there, there are a couple songs that I associate with that. Like they're generally by Garth Brooks. And I don't mean this in a joking way. Like this old highway is, is a really good song about this, this broken down cowboy who's who, who can't do this anymore. He, he just can't, he can't ride anymore. He's, he's broken. Um, for a number of reasons um uh but anyway uh i was just wondering if you'd ever been to a rodeo so i i have not but i, I do think of rodeo like i i would acknowledge there's a spectrum from bullfighting to circuses and rodeos strike me as closer to circuses and not quite as brutal as bullfighting but i have no desire to partake in it you know i don't even hunting i'm squeamish about i just don't like seeing animals distressed uh, and weird that way. I don't either. Uh, and I have a, I have a, you know, uh, I've never been to a bullfight, even though I've been to Sevilla, I've been to Spain. Uh, I probably could have gone to one, but I have a friend who's very staunch. He's very liberal and would, and very much an animal protection person, but went to bullfight and 
totally gave me a different perspective on it. Basically, when we, we were doing a, a children's theater version of Ferdinand the Bull. And so she was describing, she, I know, I know, silly, silly. Uh, but she was describing the, the spectacle of it and what it actually is and, uh, and how it affected her and how the passion of it affected her. Um, mm. uh, I still couldn't do it. I, 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 if the bull not, wins, I'll pay. Yeah. Well, you, you can't really. That's my that. rule. Anyway, the uh, bull never wins, does he? All right, let's see what the listeners have submitted for their favorite examples of people playing themselves. We have Robert Dennis, who says Paul Giamatti plays Paul Giamatti in Cold Souls. Do you guys know this movie? Uh, what is no, that? I don't. I feel like I've seen it, and it just made no impression on title. me. Uh, so uh, uh, this Same both thing. offers some seemingly intimate views of an ordinary performer's life, including theater rehearsals. Oh, oh, yeah, okay, so Paul Giamatti, he, uh, he goes to some sort of exotic treatment to get in character for a play, I think, and he loses his soul, and, and he has to find it, and he's... That, that's what okay that's i'm remembering now uh so it goes into but he's playing himself yeah yeah well they i don't i didn't remember it being himself like he was an actor in a play i guess he was i mean robert well, dennis saying, yeah, robert dennis, dennis is saying yeah he yeah. plays paul giamatti so well let I me mean, so they both offer seemingly though this both offers some seemingly intimate views of an ordinary performer's life and it avoids the typical glamour exploitation cameo by instead showcasing a plausibly transformed giamatti in the most vanity-free way imaginable. Now, uh, I got to say, if you're Paul uh, Giamatti, I'm not sure you have the luxury of vanity. I mean, I love Paul Giamatti, <laughs> but it's super easy for Paul Giamatti to give a vanity-free performance in a way that it's not easy for, say, Tom Cruise. <laughs> but or I Henry Cavill. Exactly. Yeah, I don't mean that as a slight uh, against anyone involved there. Okay, Robert Dennis. Well, yeah, yes, Kelly Wand. Well, I was gonna say Clive Owen versus Paul Giamatti was. Packaged as yeah, look look out. Clive Owen's got some serious competition for getting shot. You talking about shoot him up? Yeah. What did I say? Wait, why is that? Because Paul Giamatti's the villain. What? Well, I'm just saying that's when you like they're supposed to be a matchup. Like Clive Owen's going to be he's the protagonist. Oh, right, right. Like Paul Giamatti is is vain enough to play someone who could take on. Clive Owen, uh, and make us worried for him. Right, right, right. Shit, Clive <laughs> Owens, he's got Paul Giamatti on his ass. I Fuck. so hate that in movies when the the main guy can can match the when the main bad guy can match the hero simply by virtue of being the main bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Especially when his henchman is some huge hulking guy, and that's like the sub boss fight. And then we get yeah. to someone like Paul Giamatti playing the boss, and he's like, no, we already had the big showstopper fight. You know, just have him do something else. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess he's a good shootist. I do, yeah, I'm fine with Paul Giamatti. I mean, shoot him up is is keenly aware of how comedic it's being. Yeah. So okay, you guys, I have to. I'm sorry, I have to file some arrest papers right now. Uh oh. Robert Dennis's second pick, Zoe Bell plays herself in Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof. Okay, Robert uh, Dennis. Yeah, no, no, not at all. They might give her name Zoe, but she does not play a stunt woman for Uma Thurman in Death Proof. She plays one of a group of young ladies who presumably like to ride around on the hoods of muscle cars. That is not something that is who Zoe. I mean, anyway, she's not Zoe Bell. She's not playing a stunt woman. She's just one of these crazy chicks who runs into Kurt Russell. I don't think she's playing himself herself. Kelly Wonder with me on that, right? 
Yeah, I think so. I was just trying to. I was trying to think in the movie. Did they ever go? Hey, remember when we were in that? No, they say stuff about yeah. Remember, they they all have some shared experiences, but none of them have to do with uh, like making movies or being a. I thought woman. they hadn't made it yet or something. Like it was a prequel. Like it was yeah. yeah. Because Zoe Bell did not have an encounter with a serial killer murderer who killed young women in his death-proofed car, in which she cried down, in which she broke down crying at the end of the the road rage incident. Ashlyn Yenny isn't playing herself in the first Human Centipede. But she is in the second, I guess. And what really and. (laughs) She yeah, refers I, I, to it I as being accept. in the movie. Zoe yeah. Bell is not playing Zoe Bell in, in Death But Proof. she I could in another movie go, hey, remember when I was in Death Proof? And, okay, that would be fine. But I, I think Death Proof – Or when that guy – I killed that guy in Death Proof. I think Death Proof is entirely fictional. Yeah. Sure. Uh, at any rate, Robert says, Robert says from his jail cell, it is memorable for making you feel like an insider among itinerant players, maintaining friendships, and seizing the moment to do something cool when they do get to hang out. <laughs> you know, I would someone. maybe believe him if Mary Elizabeth Winstead was a stunt woman. Cause she, or a she, cheerleader. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe the idea is that she's an act. She's is Mary Elizabeth Winstead playing Mary Elizabeth Winstead in that movie then? No. Yeah. Because she's bitching about the cheerleader. Outfit. Yeah, Robert. She's you like, know oh, what? You can, Robert, you can file an appeal, but uh, for now, I'm denying you bail. <laughs> she's playing herself when she goes gulp. Bruce Garrick. I am so mad that I'm – oh, wait. that's like, My choice for this month is just one movie because it arguably has three people playing themselves. Once he says arguably, I'm getting out yeah. my ticket pad here. Taking the off brain surgeon movie. says arguably. I want to hear what he's so mad about. Because it – oh, he, some, he thinks there's a ladder scene in a movie called The Return, which is a slow, boring Russian movie that no one's seen. Oh, I mean man. I've seen it, but no one else has seen it. Right. Did they come back down at the end, and that's why it's called that? It could be. No, it's something about a kid's in a boat. I don't know. I forgot. I saw it when I was in. Is that when they rung the bell? (laughs) We have a lot of fun here. Get it? (laughs) Anyway, Bruce says, uh, this movie arguably has three people playing themselves all in the same scene. What? I don't – these are all like old grandpa movie people. Sam Fuller playing himself. Jean-Luc Godard playing himself. Man, I hate Star Trek. And Jean-Paul Belmondo playing a pseudo himself. I don't know. Any, so that's my top three in order. Oh, the film is called Pierre Lefaux, and it's from 1965, which is way, way, way before. Well, about ten years before people, eh, maybe five years before people started knew making how to make movies. Good movies. Making they even good have movies. movies then? Yeah. They no, they had movies. They just didn't know how to make good movies. I like write that about Bruce 19- considers this a win on us. Like, ha! Right. Gotcha. This thing exists. <laughs> Josh Lubliner, here's the three best instances of people playing themselves. Number three, when you mentioned Wolf Blitzer playing himself in Mission Impossible Fallout, it immediately made me think of the 1997 David Fincher movie The Game. Michael Douglas Ew. comes home and flips on PBS to watch senior news analyst Daniel Shore, who hurls oh. some invective at him and then proceeds to give him some introductory information on The Game. Daniel Shore was a fixture on PBS and NPR for decades, and his voice is very distinctive, so it's pretty jarring to see him start talking directly to Michael Douglas. Right, rather than have the obviously hired actor playing a... I hate actors playing newscasters who clearly would never be newscasters. I hate that in movies. So that's great that Fincher Uh, did that. What about Harvey and Die Hard? You didn't like that? What about Network? You guys are just making my point for me. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. (laughs) Josh. That's Helsinki, Sweden. (laughs) 
That's a pretty Number good two. one from Josh, though, because I remember it like I remember the way Fincher and I I am not a fan of the game, but I remember the way Fincher uh, like messed with the audio and that and and messed with the like having that guy go goo, 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 and like the, <sighs> the way it, it, it it's spliced together and whatnot. That's a good pick. Yeah, I like that one. Uh, now, here's one I'm surprised you jokers didn't pick, because I almost was going to, but then thought, no, it's too easy. And plus, I don't like it that much. Uh, it's a <laughs> it's a bit of a spoiler. And Josh, come on, it's been long enough. It's a bit of a spoiler to even say that Bill Murray's in Zombieland, but oh well, everyone should have seen it by uh, now. That's a good one. No, it's not. Oh, uh, I feel the same. I don't. I, I, it's too uh, self-satisfied, I think. Hmm. Well, he gets killed, though. That's funny. But he, he gets killed. Here's the, here's the thing, though. He gets killed. Like I think it would have been funnier and truly subversive if he'd been headshotted. But him getting killed is just an opportunity for a joke. And they just make jokes about he's slowly dying. And the whole thing is just a bit too jokey. And I guess Zombieland is... Zombieland! Right, right. <laughs> you but, but I think it would have been funnier if they'd played it straight. They were going to get... He was like the fifth choice because they were going to do Mark Hamill. And Mark Hamill didn't want to do it because they were going to do Star Wars jokes. Oh. And they were like, well, what else are we supposed to do? We can't do well, Star you know, it's Wars funny. Jokes. with that, that mansion, I was like, come on. I know Bill Murray's doing great, but did, did he, like, make wise stock investments or something? Really? That's, Murray moved in there. It, it also doesn't seem like the kind of place that Bill Murray would would live. And it's it's his house, Kelly Wand, because it's got his monogram on the gate. And they even point that uh, out. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. that's a big BM. Get it, Kelly Wand? Uh, See? So uh, he says, I feel the same way about Bill Murray as Woody Harrelson's Tallahassee. He's amazing, and I love him in everything. Oh, oh, because Tallahassee is also, he's like, oh, I'm such a fan, sir, yeah, uh, Woody Harrelson. Uh, yeah. So seeing him show up in yeah. Zombieland the way I'm he did, <laughs> seeing him show up in Zombieland the way he did and what happens to his character, so great. I mean, yeah, here's the thing, is I really enjoyed it at the time, but when I went back and watched Zombieland this week, specifically for oh. uh, this scene, I think Zombieland is great as you discover it. It's almost like watching a Deadpool yeah. movie. Like, yeah, okay, this is really funny and clever. And these are the guys who wrote Deadpool, by the way. And you're thinking, yeah, okay, it's funny, it's really clever. But when you watch it a second time, you're like, oh, well, yeah, I was, yeah, you That's already told me that joke. That's how it was at the time, though. Like Zombieland, when we when when, when I saw it, I didn't know Bill Murray was going to be in it. So it was actually, right. you're right. right, it was fun not knowing he was going to be in it. And I think when you go back that and look at it, it's a little much. Like it's a little. Well, uh-huh. it was a, it was a rush job though. They had someone else even before Mark Hamill. I, I, just, I just don't. It was someone think, lamer. Right. I just don't think that Zombieland. I, I think Zombieland is about sixty eight percent as funny as it thinks it is. Yeah, but most movies are fun. The package. Look what you did. <laughs> Good point, <laughs> Kelly. Wand. Number one, Josh Lovener. You can make an argument that what? All right, here we go. William Shatner plays himself in everything, but he actually... Oh, okay. He actually does play himself in the 1998 movie Free Enterprise. Yeah. I watched this for this 3x3, and boy... It is not as good as I remember, Josh says. No, it sucks. It sucks. <laughs> imagine what if. Is, what is that? Uh, so here we go. Uh, uh, Josh says, imagine if Swingers were made by Kevin Smith, except yeah. unfortunately it's worse because at least Kevin Smith writes good dialogue. Yeah. That's uh, a, yeah. He shares an actor with Swingers. Uh, Patrick Van Horn played someone named Sue in Swingers. Uh, Basically, imagine Swingers, but our two protagonists are obsessed with Star Trek, Dingus. Imagine that. Yeah. And they also, see him at a bookstore, and he's doing a, right. Rome, a script of Julius Caesar where he's all the roles. Now, Dingus, and don't, all, that's crazy, isn't it? Dingus, also, I need you to imagine, as Josh Loblerner writes, that the writing is dreadful and the acting is mostly bad. 
So, Dingus, get that in your head. But There's like a hot girl in it, and then she's like, oh, look how hot I am. Okay, what? But Josh says Eric McCormick pre-Will and Grace is, quote, okay, according to Josh. Oh, he's so nerdy. Look how nerdy that guy is. <laughs> they probably put glasses on him. Oh, uh, what a Star Trek nerd that is. However, Josh says the shining light is William Shatner playing a sad sack version of himself, going around pitching his idea for a six-hour-long musical version of Julius Caesar where he plays all the male roles himself. Yeah. <laughs> that makes me want to watch it again. He gets hit. He hits on a chick, and she, like, hits him or something. And then at the very <laughs> end, we get a preview of his musical featuring a hip-hop version of Friends Roman's Countryman. Yeah. Josh says, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I remember it. It's Josh true. also then tries to sneak in an honorable mention for a TV series, and I'm not even going to read it because it's TV. Snap! Mm. So All right. Please stay. Uh, well, if it – okay. Episodes. Matt LeBlanc playing Matt LeBlanc. Ew. Oh. Yeah, there you go. All right. See, I Josh actually Butler. liked it. I liked that show. I liked the first season of it, but... Uh... Yeah, Joey was good. You're right, Dingus. Yeah. Mike McBain. Uh-oh. Mike McBain's <laughs> taunting the law. He says it's a jailable offense, but I'm going to have to name drop Galaxy Quest because it's the same meta ballpark and probably more what? insightful than others. Yeah, Mike McBain, what are you doing? Right off the bat, you're in jail. All right. He says in the hopes of a more lenient sentence. Actually, that wasn't one of his picks, so fair enough. Uh, oh, God, here we go. Julia that Roberts and Bruce Willis in Ocean's 12. No doubt already mentioned it, but I hate this film. I hate this setup, but it is memorable, he says. The player, they it, both play themselves. And I'm glad yeah. it exists, if only to serve as a warning to others. Okay. I guess he talked about well, yeah, that one. Yeah, I'm surprised nobody brought up the player. Huh. Yeah. Well, you have to like uh, think of like which specific actor in the player, though. I mean, there's so well, many... Doesn't Bruce Willis save Julia Roberts at the end... Well, I would see that I would have, Grant was making fun of. I would immediately think of uh, of John Cusack because isn't he at the at the at at the meal at the lunch? <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I did. Yeah, I told you guys about the John Cusack movie I just saw. I have a good alternate. Well, <laughs> we just talked about being John Malkovich, so. Um, oh right, 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 right. John, John, I, see, I didn't even think of him for that. Yeah. Right. yeah. Being John Cusack. It's a sequel. Oh, uh, did you know the theory about? Get Out being a sequel to being John Malkovich, that the Bradley Whitford character and Catherine Keener's character is the same as her being John Malkovich character. Never Bradley Whitford is and it, being John Malkovich? Uh, well, he's John, the John Cusack character in the oh, theory. Oh, I see what you're saying. Right, right. Like the grown fan up. theory. Yeah, and Catherine Keener's still okay, next Okay, that's cute. That's cute. I can't imagine it was that doesn't uh, make any sense. a factor for any of the writers. I but, can't remember it. I'm not yeah. pitching it very well. But I was like, okay, what? Next. I want to brush up on that and bring it back to us. No, he's okay. stuck inside the daughter's head for the rest of his life. Yeah, yeah, that's why I didn't understand why they It doesn't were. make any sense. There's right, a anyway. theory. Look it up. Mike McBain's number somewhere. two pick, Bruce Campbell in My Name is Bruce. It's all very meta. I haven't seen that. But not yeah. quite as interesting as it could have been. There's an underlying current of Bruce's resentment stemming from only being famous for one thing. But the movie fails to realize to really capitalize on this, and it offers little insight or poignance. But it's more Bruce, so I'm glad it exists, even if he is, ironically, still just plain Ash. All right. But that was before Ash vs. Evil Dead, and then there now there's shitloads of it. So it was before. Chris Willis plays himself in something. Anyway, Ch- go ahead. Chuck Norris in ugh, Dodgeball. A true underdog story. This cameo came uh, surfing high on the crest of the Norris meme wave. But his lifelong 
uh, Chuck anti fans. My brother and I did a goofy smile double take when he popped up on screen as one of the referees at the end of the film. Thumbs up, Mike McBain says, for Chuck Norris. Huh. Uh, he doesn't do anything funny. And it was a rewrite in the original draft. They all lose in, in, in dodgeball like the heroes, and then they all just get their asses kicked. Hmm. It ends in despair. But Chuck yeah. Norris in Expendables uh, 2 is really good, where he looks like an old grandma. And he does a Chuck Norris joke. That was really upset you, Tom. I remember... And That's what you broke up with Excedibles too. You're like, fuck, that Chuck Norris joke, him doing it, stupid. Yeah, Does I the know. movie know that's dumb? No. I feel like a terrible beard or something. Yeah, he looked like an old granny. And Tom was infuriated by the Chuck Norris joke. He hated it. Uh, Mike McBain is, terrible. is also, he asks if movies that have actors playing themselves, aren't they technically documentaries? And is this just an elaborate ruse for me to flush <laughs> out the unworthy? Yeah. It kind of is. No, it's not. Documentaries aren't oh. movies. It's super easy to tell. Oh, I thought you were talking about Dodgeball still. Oh. <laughs> uh, Hendrick Thiel. Greetings, nerds. He's talking to you two yeah. on that one. John Malkovich yeah. and being John Malkovich, just for how clueless and confused he acts. Number two. Yeah. Oh. Uh, uh, Michael Serra in This is the End for finally showing the world his sweet, innocent demeanor is nothing but a facade. <laughs> Uh, that was good. That is That's actually fun. a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme in JCVD. Easily the best acting of his whole career. He plays a broken, vulnerable man. What? Far more interesting than everything he did before or since. I wish it would have been his last acting gig. We would have all been spared the embarrassment that was Jean-Claude Van Johnson. I don't know what that is. I don't either. What? Is that a movie? I haven't seen this movie either. I'm know. really down on my Von Damme. I have, I have any. I mean, I don't have any Von Damme. Uh, uh, I think Sudden Death was the last movie I saw with him. Uh, huh. The theater. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Is is Jason? So JCVD is he really playing himself though? Yeah. No Retreat No Surrender is pretty funny though. So, so it's about okay. I guess it's called that. All right. Huh. What's Van Johnson? Is that where uh, he parodies he, his? I don't career? know. He just says, "I wish it would have been." Jean-Claude Van Damme's last gig because we would have been spared the embarrassment that was Jean-Claude Van, Chance, Van Johnson. I don't know what that is. I can't tell if it's a movie title or... Or a play on Dwayne Johnson. Uh, Hendrix says, Jean-Claude's last name in German is pronounced Fun Dumb. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hendrix's last name is looks German in his first name, so I, I trust him on that. A VW is called a Falve in German. John Renninger says, It seems impossible not to choose Bill Murray in Zombieland. I'm sure everyone has, so I'll go on to my second choice. Which is Tony Robbins, ew, in Shallow Hal. Ew. He sets the main plot. He sets the main yeah, he sets the main plot into motion by hypnotizing Jack Black's character to see uh, the Oh god. This to see yeah. the inner beauty of fat suit wearing Gwyneth Paltrow and comes back I didn't later. Like it. They didn't make fun of him, yeah. He's too and it comes uh, back later when Jason Alexander tracks him down for the dehypnotizing phase. I think yeah, that it was, was suspenseful. Quote, Shallow Hal needs a gal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. My third was... choice is Merv Griffin as the elevator oh! killer in The Man oh! with Two Brains. That was one of my alternates. I was I was hoping a listener ah. would mention this one. Very excited. Uh, yes. Doctor Hafurher yeah. catches uh, him, but still doesn't have time, and makes Merv promise to turn to turn himself in. Yeah. And in card, tell us that Merv is still at large. This is also yeah. a fat suit wearing Kathleen Turner at the end of the movie <laughs> because her brain gets replaced by a compulsive eater. 
Yeah, Merv Griffin kills Kathleen Turner in that by stabbing her in the butt with poison. He does a lot of other hookers. What? Hookers yeah, it's good. All right. Sounds it's a little really goofy. Really What's Steve Martin's character's name in that, Kelly Wand? Dr. Hafavar. <laughs> and then Judith good. Ivy is uh, something Like She has a weird last name, too. <laughs> Kathleen Turner's like a, like a bitch character. It's really good. She's super hot in it. But with two brains. That's my favorite Steve Martin movie. You heard me. Buck Roxanne. Okay, what? Uh, Let's go. What about Spanish Prisoner? I haven't seen all of it. Yeah. Mamet uh, Steve Martin. Eh. I think it's the first time writer in her. Mohammed Abdallah says, uh, I'd like to mention JCVD for this 3x3. Three three. What was oh. remarkable to me about this movie is that it was committed to the conceit of Van Damme playing himself. Usually, with this level of self-referential material, it will skew comedic rather than introspective. An actor yeah. will take a trait they're known for and amp it up, but the audience doesn't learn anything new about the actor from watching them play themselves. Uh, for yeah. me, JCVD recontextualized what I thought of Jean-Claude Van Damme because playing himself allowed him to show me sides of him that his other roles couldn't. Or the movie could have been exactly what it was, a movie. None of what Van Damme reveals or says could have any foundation in reality, and if that were the case, it would mean Van Damme convinced me through his acting, which is something right. I didn't think he was capable of. It's a win-win. <laughs> yeah. yeah, regardless, I learned something new about him, which is why JCVD is my pick. Love the podcast, guys. Muhammad. He's either a better actor than we realized or a better person than we realized. So none of us we have did. seen that. No, we should. The the basis makes me feel dumb for not saying it because I'm such a thoughtful appreciation of Von Dom's. I've never heard anyone be that thoughtful about Von Dom before. I don't think that's what he was saying. I've heard well, people we mention pretty, the movie. Yeah, we were pretty yeah. thoughtful about him when we were talking about the Predator. <laughs> Poor guy. He's yeah, he's, he got himself lost a job. Can't kick the Predator. Arthur Jilvalanjalali <laughs> says number three. Oh, Zoolander, David Bowie shows up out of nowhere to judge a walk-off between yeah. Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson. I love how yeah. committed he is to such a silly scene. The way he takes off his sunglasses is absolutely priceless. Yeah. Okay. I prefer David Bowie's work in Twin Peaks The Return, though, as a tea kettle. Mm. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I'll take the uh, Christopher Nolan magician movie. What is that? Now you catch me. No, catch me now. See me. Now you Shoot. see me. The Prestige. Prestige. I don't even know where I was going. Yeah, I prefer. Wow. The now you really. catch me. <laughs> now you catch me. Arthur. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great title for a movie. <laughs> Arthur Gilvalangelelli's number two pick, Zombieland. <laughs> Bill Murray's not yet a zombie, but yeah. He, here's another thing. According yeah. so in this particular representation of a zombie apocalypse this movie is presenting bill murray says oh you know what i like walking around amongst the zombies if you just put a little corn flour on your face and some berry juice and he's explaining his makeup he's implying that zombies that that would work that zombies wouldn't know you were alive and wouldn't try, that like zombies find their prey by looking at your face to see if you look old and haggard that's nonsense yeah, that makes no sense they smell your brain. Well, it depends, because the Walking Dead idiots put makeup well, they have to, on like, and walk they, out. They right. do it all the time. Well, they slather themselves in gore when the plot calls for it. At least there's this sense of, hey, okay, so it's smell. But Bill Murray is basically implying that a zombie has to see your skin to decide to chase you. But the Zombieland zombies aren't necessarily the same breed as 
the ones well, you are in favor you, of. You only have to move slowly. What's the movie where they move slowly? Is it the John of the, the Dead? Gifts? Oh, the girl with all the gifts. Oh, isn't it? Where they... Oh, right, right, right. Well, they just, well, they just, well, this thing is there. Their whole deal is they're dormant. Uh, oh. Right. Yeah. But I mean, they they also they kind of cheat uh, getting away from it. And, but uh, right, right. It's not moving slowly. It's just that they're sleeping. They go dormant when there aren't when there's no prey around. Uh, Tom, like uh, United ninety three. I've only seen Zombieland once, okay. so maybe I can't be trusted on. I it can't answer I any questions, see... right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't remember the cornflower line, but when you were saying it, it was making me laugh. So in a way, you're doing what Dingus was doing earlier, making me want to see it again. Um. Okay. Have fun. Well, you know what? Why don't you see another Ruben Fleischer movie next week? You don't think that ew. Touche. Touche brute. Arthur Gilvalangelelli's number one pick being John Corn Malkovich. Flower. John Malkovich <laughs> plays a slightly fictionalized version of himself in the movie. I hope that still counts, and it's pretty amazing. Arthur, why would you say you hope that still counts? Of course it does. The movie has a lot of actors making cameos yeah. in themselves, and they all work really well. Oh, I don't remember this. Especially Sean Penn's interview. Yep. Kind of do remember that. I remember Sean, Brad Pitt looking bewildered, too. Because Sean Penn is talking about how brave John Malkovich was for quitting acting and becoming a puppeteer. And he's yeah. like, I, I, I want to do that, too. I, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See? And it is very much Sean Penn good, like, right. making fun of himself. For Jude Law is a good actor. <laughs> Uh, Brian Becker. So, Bill Murray in Zombieland, he says. I usually have a hard time with 3x3s three because I can't think of anything until I hear your discussion. But this week, I thought yeah, of a lot of celebrities it. playing themselves that I dislike as they usually come in two flavors. As they usually come in two flavors. Famous people poking fun at their public image or attempts by the filmmakers to make their movie appear to take place in the real world by having real commentators like Jay Leno yeah. and John Stewart appear. But it immediately pulls me out of the movie, Brian says. Those are, yeah, what I about definitely. when John Stewart played himself in The Faculty? That was good. Except not so that's himself after he quit and uh, became a teacher yeah. in Texas somewhere, right? Yeah, and then an alien. <laughs> Harry Knowles plays himself in that movie too. Does he? He's one of the teachers. He's disgusting. Yeah. Ew. Uh, honorable mention. <laughs> Okay, this is also an old movie, Brian. This is before they knew how to make good movies, so I don't know. This is a Peter Bogdanovich movie from 1968, so I can't imagine. Uh, honorable mention, a movie called Targets. Technically, uh. Boris Karloff is playing the character, quote, Byron Orlock, and therefore can't make the actual list. But considering Byron Orlock is a monster movie legend forced to take roles in B-movies as he approaches death. Oh, a monster movie legend forced to take roles in B-movies as he approaches death. It's not really a stretch for Karloff, who became famous for Frankenstein and ended up taking roles in Corman movies and will die a year after the movie is released. Brian, uh, I like what you're saying, but it, you're going to jail. Ooh. Yeah, he yeah. Didn't, if, he played, if he didn't play Boris Karloff, if he played like a Boris Karloff-like, yeah, if he played a sort of a nod to Boris Karloff, that's fine, that's cool, but Brian, uh, I'm afraid we're going to have to bring up charges. Ooh. It's uh, a different category. Right, and Brian says, while the movie's actually about the difference between movie monsters and the actual horror of nihilistic mass shooters, what? Oh, I guess a movie called Targets, okay, uh, Brian says it gives a lot of time to Karloff to reflect on his life and career and certainly his best non-spooky role. I don't have any frame of reference for Boris Karloff. I mean, I love really? from from Ed Wood. Um, I mean, I, like I, I uh, shoot, who's the guy? I keep calling him Boris Karloff. Uh, uh, 
It's a better. It's a cooler name than Frankenstein. Almost. Who's the Martin? That's the guy that Martin it. Landau played in in Ed Wood. Uh, Bela Lugosi. Bela Lugosi, right, right. Like, I have more he of makes fun of Karloff. Right, and, and that's – that. like I don't know those guys' old movies, but from Ed Wood, I have more of a sense for Bela Lugosi. But I have no concept of Boris Karloff or movies? why he was cool. I don't know Frankenstein movies. Why would I know Frankenstein? Wait, you didn't see – I was watching Frankenstein when you were a kid, Brian of Frankenstein, the two uh, good ones. Frankenstein was always dumb. One. He's always Edward Munster. Uh, no, he's cool. I like how he teaches kids to swim. <laughs> cool. Uh, Rory Cochran plays Frankenstein in, in that uh, – that not Penny Ante. What's that? I'd uh, hang out with Frankenstein's monster. All right. But, yeah. I could get him. You just got to make him watch TV or something. Uh, my favorite Frankenstein is the Lucky McKee movie, uh, May. What do you think of that, Kelly Wand? <laughs> it's true. It's a Frankenstein movie. She is movie. a genius at making yeah. things. Angela Bettis. Angela Number Bettis. one. Uh, where's he going with this? Uh, Brian Becker, All the President's Men. This movie starts with a security guard discovering a Jimmy door and calling the police. That Oh, <laughs> wow. That man is played by Frank Willis, the actual security guard who discovered the Watergate break-in. Wow. Oh, oh. that's fun. See, there's uh, a United 93. Right, yeah. He says, I assume no one in the audience at the time would recognize him, but it or shows care. dedication <laughs> to verisimilitude that makes All the President's Men such a successful movie. Also, this small bit of movie trivia has stuck with me for many years as a reminder of how much of the history is actually made by little – of how much of history is actually made by little or completely unknown people. And I can yeah. see how uh, uh, Alan J. Pakula shot that scene, too, of just the – he's just a random security guard who sees a door has been taped open. And I, I, I can sort of see that. Is his line, head. what's going on in here? I don't even think he has a line. Like, and then it just cuts to, you know, five months later or something like that. Like, What you talking about, Willis? That's what they say to have. Oh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Brian says it's a good thing that I uh, specified people. Otherwise, he would have chosen Rin Tin Tin. Playing himself. Yeah, he says he always played himself with, uh, I'm going to quote Brian Becker here, quote, panache and vigor, end quote. <laughs> Lassie never played herself, you know that? <laughs> but Benji did. I, don't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know a Rin Tin Tin dog if you sicked it on me. What is it? What kind of dog is Rin Tin Tin? So like a He's like dog? a normal looking no, dog. No, it's a German Shepherd. Uh, oh, Rin Tin Tin is a yeah. German Shepherd. Oh, all right. Yeah. I assumed it was like a little scrappy dog, but okay. What is what Rin Tin Tin What color was Old Yeller? Rin Tin Tin. What does Rin Tin Tin do? Dingus? I haven't seen – I'm not familiar with Rin Tin Tin. I don't remember, but – There's a Canadian show called Littlest Hobo where like a little dog goes around helping people and his name is Littlest Hobo. Like he never has a name. Goes around helping people? <laughs> yeah. Like how? What does it do? Like He just goes from town to town helps people. Like, <laughs> like in Quantum Leap? Yeah. I don't know why he doesn't stay in the town, but they try to give him a home. He's like, nope, Littlest Hobo, got to go. And then he goes right. and helps someone out. There's more people who need my help elsewhere in other towns. <laughs> okay. So he goes to the next town to help someone. That, by the way, that's also what Bruce Banner did in the Hulk TV series that we had to watch yeah. with our kids. You just go around. Well, he was and help getting chased though. Little Sobo didn't have like a. Yeah, he had a reporter on his tail. He, and, and he just one... didn't want to talk on the record or something. Why is that a big deal? Uh, he was wanted for murders that the Hulk committed or something. Oh. Okay. But there's one where he has to wear a mask as as Bill Bixby. Like himself as the whole. And then uh, the wow. reporter, he broke his leg, and he has to carry the reporter out on this trevois behind him. 
and he's wearing a mask so the reporter doesn't know who he is. And then later at the end, he turns into the Hulk and the mask comes off. And he's like, oh, the Hulk was towing me around on the trois. It was like a two-parter. And it was like, oh, what was going to happen? The two-parters yeah, two are serious. Hour. Yeah, those That's are the serious ones. boring TV used to be. So I should be grateful right. for the package. Because I can just flip the package on and off every five minutes. It's a great feeling of power as opposed to watching the Hulk. Are you guys ready for drag some Keith? Ready for some <laughs> Keith Leith? Yeah, oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I don't know why I'm talking about the Hulk. Greetings, sorry. he says. And so I slip back into the warm bath of the 3 by 3 such as one might to restore and refresh oneself, or perhaps open a vein and end it all. Keith, yeah. that's dark. Wow. Well, I thought that was he was leading into something. Well, number three, sleeper. So no, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, sleeper, and he's giving <laughs> so me a suicide reference, arbitrary. All right, he's giving me quotes. Yeah, I understand. The thing is, you should probably do these because you would know it. Historian, sleeper. quote. We weren't sure at first what to make of this, but we developed a theory. We feel that when people committed great crimes against the state, they were forced to watch this, end quote. Miles Monroe, I guess that's Woody Allen. Yes, that's exactly what it was, end quote. I thought it was just called Sleeper Singular. And then this is the Howard Cosell. Is this not a Woody Allen movie? What is the Sleeper? Oh, Sleeper's Howard Cosell. It's, uh, yeah. it's got to be bananas. Right. Oh, well, uh, Keith Leith says it's Sleeper. And that the Howard this... Cosell isn't frozen in the future. Well, uh, apparently, there's a lot of things wrong. No, no, with it is sleeper because a historian is saying we weren't sure at first uh, what to make of this, but we developed a theory, and they're looking at Howard Cosell. We feel that when people committed great crimes against the state, they were forced to watch this, and they're looking at footage uh, of Howard Cosell. Uh, okay, right. And Miles no, Monroe not... says, "Yes, that's exactly what it was." And I don't know what oh. Woody Allen's line reading was, but presumably it was funnier than anything I can come up with. Look, what? Yeah, in the future, it's punishment. Howard Cosell in Bananas is hilarious. Because does Woody Allen hate Howard Cosell or something? What does he do in Bananas? No, he just he, he loves. He wouldn't it. use him twice. Yeah, well, he does. He's just fucking. He, he has teasing. two scenes. It's it's one where uh, the dictator is assassinated and he's covering it as a sports event. Uh, do you have anything to say? And then also uh, <laughs> on their. On their I can see. Their, I can remember that, Dingus. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, oh, this, well, he can't talk to us right now. And then, <laughs> and then he's also narrating their, um, their, uh, their honeymoon night. Their, their first, their first time having sex on their honeymoon. Oh my god. <laughs> now I don't know why you bunch of jocks are bringing up a sports announcer when you could bring up Marshall McLuhan and Annie Hall. Come on. Oh, that's a good point. I'll be singer. Airplane <laughs> Two, 1982. <laughs> Keith Leith says, as Ted Stryker escapes from the Ronald Reagan Hospital for the Mentally uh -huh. Ill. That's yeah. funny. I didn't remember that. Oh, as, this is a good one. Oh, as Ted Stryker, as Ted Stryker escapes from the Ronald Reagan Hospital for the Mentally Ill, he passes Jack Jones performing The Love Boat. He's credited uh, as lounge singer, but I would argue that the lounge singer is Jack Jones, noted lounge singer. He I'll thinks he's Jack Jones, and Ethel Merman thinks she's Ethel Merman. Yeah, I'll let it yeah. pass. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who Jack Jones is, but uh, okay. I like to think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is playing himself in that movie because <laughs> the kid knows. How do you yeah. feel about O.J. Simpson's naked says... gun? <laughs> Sad because he's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Although he gets hurt a lot, he's accident prone. That is what's funny. Yeah, uh, yeah. and then Keith Leith's, Keith Leith's number one, the man with two brains, Merv Griffin stars. As Merv Griffin, the elevator killer. Yeah. Very yep. naughty throughout, right up to the end credits, where it's announced he has reneged on a promise to turn himself in. Yeah, he reneged. <laughs> Forgot about that, too. God, that movie's good. 
Uh, so it's so R rated too. That's it's a reneg. Like, Stop saying reneg. Reneg? Renege? Renege. So apparently all email is broken because I don't see anything here from Chris Markinson. That's weird. Markinson? Maybe he's he just. Dead. Maybe yeah. he just what? Well, maybe he just couldn't think of anyone who plays themselves well. Like he's like it's tough. He's a tough. Oh right, like his like he would have zero entries for this. Yeah, okay, my list enough. is too elite for you right. people. Well, so but we're going to end with uh, just get a promotion, and so he's he's got a lot on his plate right now. Oh, Wait. he's too busy to do a three by three. Oh! <laughs> he's a fancy. Uh, Maybe because Canada's at war with America now because our president's a dumbass. Oh, that's right. Their president put a tariff on his email. Yeah. <laughs> oh, See? Uh, but we do have an email from Nick D. He says, my they rule for myself was to avoid picking people spoofing themselves like – oh, here's a sick burn to I think uh, Brian. Uh, he says, I'm going to avoid picking people spoofing themselves like Michael Sarah in This is the End. Mm. Oh, snap, Nick D. <laughs> but well, – you Nick know. D only came up with two, though. So mm. basically, in a way, that is one of his picks because that's his third one. I like when the listeners fight with each other. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, my uh, number two, uh, high fidelity. Shark high fidelity. John Cusack uh, calls his first girlfriend to find uh, out why she dumped him. Turns out. She married the guy she dumped him for. This makes Rob feel great. He decides he wants to call the rest of his ex-girlfriends, quote, you know, like a Bruce Springsteen song, at which point, oh, the real Bruce Springsteen appears in his apartment playing the blues on a guitar and giving him some advice. Thanks, yeah. boss. Uh, that's good. Yeah. I thought he was going to say, and then when he dated Catherine Zeta-Jones, it was uh, oh, and now pretty I feel much like the way a, you would expect. Uh, now I feel like a jerk. Uh, number one. Annie Hall. Woody Allen and Diane uh, Keaton are standing in line at a movie with a pretentious uh, academic pontificating about the works of Marshall McLuhan in line behind him. When Woody Allen can't take it anymore, he tells the guy, oh, really? Well, that's funny because I happen to have Marshall McLuhan right here. He walks over and produces the real Marshall McLuhan from behind a sign who proceeds to put the blowhard in his place. Woody yeah. Allen turns to the audience and says, boy, if life were only like this, it's probably <laughs> yeah. one of the nerdiest jokes I have ever seen in a movie, Nick D <laughs> says. <laughs> and that was before he forgot his mantra. <laughs> uh, All right. That's Tony uh, Curtis, Tony Roberts, Tony, whatever that guy Yeah, is. Tony Roberts is the Woody Allen one. Uh, I need some runners up from you guys. I'm sure you have yeah. some. Yeah, I've got a couple. Uh, Dingus. Uh, all right. So uh, you mentioned Shallow Hal, I think. Mm-hmm. I didn't. One, 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 did. one of our readers did. Mm-hmm. So I would mention from uh, There's Something About Mary. I would I would mention Brett Favre. What? Are you in your sports? It's a hockey player. I know that much. Uh, so I just like the, the Brett Favre allowed you know his name his name to just sort of be made fun of. It's he's a major plot point in the movie. Yeah. Brett He's going to get married. Ben Stiller Favre. gives him to marry at the end. Yeah. So Brett, Brett Favre. Favre. Uh, I, I like uh, Michael Bolton in Office Space. Oh, right. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Yeah. Um, Wait. And, uh, yeah. He's, like, sitting at a desk, and he's Michael Bolton. Um, and I really – Well, the guy's name is Michael Bolton, and he's like – and someone's like, well, why don't you change your name? And, and, the, and the, the famous line is uh, – why should I change my name? He's the asshole, or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and I think the real Michael Bolton has a cameo in there somewhere. Yeah. I think it's. I think he he calls him a no talent ass ass clown. Oh, right. oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That did I kind of immortalize that. that phrase. Yes, Dingus. All right, you're right. Sorry. Um, so uh, sorry then, to doubt it. 
as much as I hate this movie, uh, I would uh, have as a runner-up Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back uh, because Matt Damon and um, uh, Ben Affleck are... Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm with Kelly Wand on this already, Dingus. I don't know where you you're going. You can't save this sentence. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> they appear um, on, Jason Biggs, on set in, in a... A movie called Goodwill Hunting, Hunting Season Two. Um, oh my God! Oh my fucking God! Oh my God! <laughs> and there, it's really dopey. But also, uh, James um, Vanderbeek uh, shows oh up. Oh my fucking God! Which idiot listener wrote this in again? I can't remember. <laughs> it was me. Um, but it, but as dumb as Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, when Matt Damon says "Lion Face Ha," "Lemon Face Ha," "Lion Face Ha," "Lemon Face Ha," ooh. Uh, there's this just bizarre, like Matt Damon making fun of himself. Um, ben Affleck can't quite carry it off, but Matt what about Damon... Mark Hamill when they cut his hand off? Well, that's the other thing I was going to say is, you know, uh, he says let... not again. Uh, uh, good stuff. It's funny when, when Mark Hamill appears too, but I, I would choose Matt Damon as my favorite cameo. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's for me to you, Dingus, for saying everything you just said. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I, I like that Ben Affleck appears. Uh, he 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 sets up my favorite line in the movie, where he, where Jay and Silent Bob show up to him as his character from Chasing Amy, before he does the cameo of himself, and uh, Ben Affleck is talking about the internet, and uh, Jay says. What the fuck is the internet? <laughs> and then Ben Affleck's character from Chasing Amy describes to him what the internet is. That's not bad. I'm okay with it. So, Dingus, can you do that with a Tusk? What's your favorite line from that that I might enjoy? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> How do you spell that? <laughs> Kelly, what, have you seen Tusk? No, should I? You told me I forget what you said. No, you should not. And I we actually mentioned it last night because... Tom, for some reason, showed me a picture of Haley Joel Osment, who's in that. Movie. We could have uh, tricked Kelly Wand into watching Tusk Dingus. We just missed an opportunity here. Oh, darn it. Although I wouldn't Whatever. be surprised if Kelly Wand, like, from a sort of human centipede perspective, actually liked Tusk. You might be right about that, actually. I didn't hate Red State, but mostly because of that girl. Well, there's none of that there. There's no girls. Unless, and... unless you're into Justin Long. <laughs> I mean, but imagine, and also Red State has at least some, he's trying to make a point there. I, Tusk literally was a movie made based on a joke. Like, he it was, was basically oh, dared like to centipede. make. It was a riff on a podcast that yeah. they made into a movie. But no, Human Centipede, I think Tom Six really was, like, I it guess. It was in a bar. Yeah, but I get the sense also that Tom Six really did have an idea about this. And I, Tusk really was, like Dingus has mentioned, it's just two guys shooting the bull in a podcast and. Uh, well, for Human Centipede, it. the original idea was it's a punishment you do on prisoners. So right. when he made the third one, he's all, I'm going to go back to that idea. Oh, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Right, right. And that's why it's set in a prison. Well, I, I thought uh, the whole uh, thing was like they were thinking about, well, yeah, what's the worst thing you could do to a child molester? Like that whole kind of conversation. Yeah, how would you yeah. punish a child molester? Yeah, so. oh. uh, yeah. Kelly Wand, I'm Let's really just – Let's make a trilogy. I, yeah. I, if you're right about Last Action Hero, I'm going to be really bummed that I didn't think of that one. I mean I know he's he goes – Maria Shriver. Right, he's but, not in it much. He just has one line I think or something. Wait, Schwarzenegger? Well, no, he plays like his his movie persona characters in it a lot, but then they go into the movie right, world right, right. and there's no, an Arnold that. as Arnold that they meet. Or something. But they actually say Arnold, he's Arnold Schwarzenegger? Well, Maria Shriver's married to him. 
And she goes, don't mention the restaurant when they're Kelly in line. Wan, stop, the Oscars. stop dodging the question. Yes or no? Yeah, yes. <laughs> and, I, and I remember thinking, this movie's jumped the shark at this point. No. Because Arnold's in it's, it, too. It's, it's riding the shark. It's surfing on the shark. I love mm-hmm. that idea. Like, I, I think Last Action Hero, Zach Penn is uh, – like, I think there's some – I like parts of it. Yeah. I like the action parts. I yeah. think it's funny, and I think it's a funny idea, but there's Isn't too there much. There's a uh, moment where he sees Sylvester Stallone in a poster of one of his movies, and he just kind of laughs at it and walks away. Yeah. Like Sounds in exactly. a blockbuster. Yeah. They're in each other's movies. It's a Wes Craven, Sam Raimi thing. Because <laughs> uh, I, think, I think in Demolition Man, so Stallone sees uh, they, like a picture of Schwarzenegger as president. And uh, he gets depressed about it. And Sandra Bullock's like, yeah, he was the greatest. He was elected to 16 terms. He was amazing. And he's like, no, remind me. Jeez. How long was he asleep? I know, right? Yeah. Well, Sandra Bullock when he went into the ice. Any runners-up from you for people playing themselves? Just me, white man! Well, then, Kelly Wand. When I crank high voltage! Oh, you you were doing Bay Ling. We got a little guest appearance from Bay Ling. I didn't realize yeah, that. She was really good as herself. And so her character, I didn't realize that was that was her playing herself. That's awesome. Well, she's playing herself as a prostitute who gets hit by a car and then set on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, did, did you have any runners up, Tom? I did not. I managed to, um, let's see. Nope, I did not. I mean, let's see. You know, the play. No, no, I'm good. I'm Peter Falk in uh, Wings of Desire. There's a runner up. Yeah, you know what that yeah. is? No, you're right. You're totally right, Kelly Wand. Yeah. yeah. Kelly Wand just got all arty on us. Yeah, uh-huh. a little bit. Yeah, all German and Vim Vendors and arty. Nice work, Kelly Wand. Yeah. Kelly Wand, can you do a, a follow-up back on, on that and give us next month's 3x3? Three three? All right. Yeah. I don't think we've done this before, but we've Uh-oh. done all the good ones. Uh-oh, we've one done of these. three best oceans. Uh, oh, we've done oh, three best fat kids. Uh, three best old ladies. I think we've done a couple times. Um, not really very many interesting ones. Here it comes. So we're going to switch it up. There's three best uh, taunts in movies. Or a character taunts another character. That's got to be one we've done. Are you serious? I looked it up and we hadn't done it. And insults we hadn't done? No, we've huh. got Dingus, come on, back me up on this. We've clearly done that, right? Haven't we? I have no idea. I mean if you looked and it's not on the list, Kelly Wan, it's not on the list. Marketson will set you straight if you're wrong, you know. I dare you. I dare you to to <laughs> do this topic. Uh we've done graveyard scenes, and that's where it takes me when I check. So I don't think we've done taunts, man. All right. Well, I mean, I if, 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 yeah, let's do it. All right. So, taunt. Kelly Wand, what if the listeners are like, oh, yeah, I know this great taunt from a Kevin Smith movie. If they're thinking something like that, where should they write in with can, their choices? Can we use creatures from Hoth? Yeah. <laughs> it can be a Dingus, non-verbal taunt. Save it for the podcast. I can well, do I know. can do a taunt-taunt sign. You guys ready? Here we go. Taunt-taunt. <clears throat> Here we go. Meeple, meeple, meeple. <laughs> yaggle, gackle, yaggle, gackle. No, you're just yeah, doing nonsense, Kelly Wand. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry <laughs> to do nonsense. It's metal. I so, thought uh, they were stinky inside. Stinky. Stinky. <laughs> Kelly Wand. So what if the listeners are like, That's yeah. That's what Han Solo would say. He'd I know say some great taunts. Scruffy looking oh, nerf herder. Stu- That's a great yeah. taunt. What if, where would they send those, Kelly Wand? If you say we're a uh, a princess of a galaxy-spanning empire, and your way of swearing was to call someone a scruffy-looking nerf herder, and then kiss your brother to rub it in, 
What a taunt that was. He never got over it. Actually, he turned I love you into a taunt. Or no, he turned I know into a taunt. Sorry. <laughs> so, Kelly Wan, where would these be sent now? Oh, whatever I was saying, if you can think of movie characters taunting each other, three three of the backs, and want me to read them this poorly on the internets in a week, send your choices to 3x3 at quarter3.com, and I will read them, and you and, will get upset at how I misread them. And just remember, anime is full of taunting. That's true. Keep that in mind. Kelly Wand, uh, the listeners I like to read taunts, though, should so I don't get mind this in by October 28th at midnight Pacific. That's when Ugh. we will record that podcast. So you got a whole month. Think about it. Give us some thought. Send it to 3x3 at quarter3.com. Dingus, what movie should we see next week? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I think we should see The Amazing Spider-Man again because Kelly Wand uh, was on his list. We're almost seeing it again, if you think about it. Spoiler oh, alert. All right, I don't regret that on my list. We're going to see Venom. Venom. Let's do this. Ah, Spider-Man's evil costume, the movie. Dingus, let's say we have listeners who see Venom, and they were like, oh, Tom Hardy, uh, he's so realistic. He really re- – he, he acted that role correctly. Where should yeah. they send ab- observations <laughs> like that, Dingus? He was the Ashlyn Yeti of uh, the Marvel Universe. <laughs> it's so weird that Venom is in a car for the whole movie. It's so strange. Yeah. Um, so I got Venom and Bane. You guys should write into 3x3 at quarter3.com. Please label it as your Venom ideas, not your 3x3 ideas, because I will need to parse those right before the show. It could be an overlap, though, where Venom taunts someone really cool. Yeah, it could be that, but please separate separate those emails out because uh, I, I, I go through them and I map them out. <laughs> Right I love that. That picture is so awesome of your notes for what you do with the listener submissions. And it's, we were thinking of, of having me do it one third of the time, like me doing that level of fucking flow charts. It's totally, are you? totally dumb. Uh, but, thank you. Never uh, mind. Sorry, no, I, I do it right. I do it right before the show because I, I have to finish my notes first and I don't want to look at anybody else's words first. You well, know, now I, I saw why you're always falling asleep. Times we were, <laughs> I was just gonna throw one more. Oh, so just write it to three x three at quarter to three dot com. Uh, and make sure you get that to us by October 7th at midnight. We want to know what you think of Venom. We'll be back to talk about that. I am Tom Chick. I've been here with Christian Moslerplaskley. It's Christian Moslerplaskley. I only got it right. And Kelly Wand. I know. I practiced. And we had yeah. Kelly Wand. If I played myself in a movie, Dingus, I'd be like Bruce Dern in Nebraska. One, two, three, not only you and me, got 180 degrees when I'm caught in between. Counting one, two, three, feet apart, not free, getting down with three feet, everybody loves old Uh, with great acting comes great reacting, as Uncle Ben quote. I prefer that we be more capable and prepared than lucky. Observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have, what, eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Aurigai 6? Is that a question, yes, sir? Yes, Walter, that's a question. That is correct. I'd watch Air Force One with Trump playing himself, but only if he's one of the terrorists. <laughs> It's, it's my head, Wand. It's my head. Mm. Okay.